Good evening and welcome to Olosa Pumar Takes. This is our 255th take live from the Alec Bradley Lone Star Studios of Azel, Texas. I'm your host, Barry Duplessis, as always, and I'm so proud, so pleased, and so privileged to be with you all tonight. This is going to be a fantastic show. The skies are already being lit up with fireworks. It's 4th of July weekend. America, America, the beautiful. Yes, we've got two beautiful gentlemen here tonight. They're going to be my guests of honor. We're going to be talking some cigars, talking some libations, and, of course, talking about the upcoming trade show as well. Two of us will try not to sweat to death. One of us will try not to freeze to death. It'll be a fun time. Thank you all for tuning in. And uh, before we get to introductions, though, we do have to thank the people that make this show uh, possible. And that, of course, is our sponsors. And tonight's show is sponsored by Drew Estate. Drew Estate, at least the latest released from the vault, bringing out the Papas Fritas in the hot and ready H99 blend. Yes, that's right. The H99 is now available in the historic, iconic Papas Fritas size from Drew Estate. You can check out the, any Drew Diplomat retail. They'll be on your shelves today at a great bargain for a great brand, blend, the H99. Of course, the gentleman tonight will agree with that sentiment. It is a great blend uh, in the Papas Fritas size. So check it out and uh, light one up today. And uh, we are excited to welcome back Drew Estate to the PCA trade show this upcoming March uh, for 2024. That's right, the trade show is moving to March and Drew Estate will be there. So uh, looking forward to seeing our good friends at Drew Estate at the PCA trade show once again. And uh, welcome everybody. This is our 255th take. Without further ado, let's welcome in our guests of honor. Two esteemed gentlemen, indeed, sponsored by United Cigars. Smoke one today and start living. United Misters, Rob Rasmussen and Randy Griggs. Gentlemen, how are we doing tonight? Bear, it's a pleasure. Everything is uh, going well out here and super hot, Randy, California. Um, but uh, I, we've got some great cigars going. I've got a gigantic uh, beverage going here. So uh, we've got some ice packs in some places we can... Not really talk about that, but we can move forward. Uh, I'm just happy to be here. Just happy to be here, man. Thanks for the invite. Oh, thank yeah, you. Yeah, absolutely. Honored to join you on uh, Osufumar Takes 255, man. That is a that is a hell of a run you That's got going number, for yeah. you there, Barry. Yeah, super happy to be here. I'm assuming that uh, Rob and I made the cut as no one else would uh, join you on a holiday weekend. Um, <laughs> but uh, I'm, I'm, I'm still honored. I tried way. to get you guys on an off weekend. And then Rob was like, I think we could do the second. And I was like, let's do it. Here we go. Yeah. To be honest, Randy, <laughs> we chose this weekend. <laughs> so, Bears, Bears has been on me. We've been trying to plan this for a while. And uh, like between your schedule and my schedule, this uh, last, I don't know, six months have been freaking hectic. So um, we both were lucky enough to be home for a holiday weekend. So uh, I'm just happy to be here. I just wish it wasn't 100 degrees in the studio. Yeah, tell me about and it. funny, yeah, look I, at, I, if you I, look at everybody here, look at what Randy's wearing. You'd think that he is the one that's in the 100 degree heat. Right, but it's right. like 65 it's, degrees. It's 65, where Randy lives. He's got the heater on. That's why. Yeah, it's it's 63 and I still have the AC on. <laughs> uh yeah, yeah. I don't know why you said here in California, like all California is the same. I live on the coast, ladies and gentlemen, here in Santa Cruz, California. It is a is a chilly and cloudy, beautiful summer day. Uh and uh I, I'm I'm loving the 63 uh you know degrees. All right, on, let's on let's mute his mic bear yeah. and we can just go forward. Yeah. Sounds great, sounds great. <laughs> Well, uh, gentlemen, we are going to be talking some pairings tonight, and uh, without uh, 
don't want to bury the lead too much, but I do have a tradition here on this show that I would like to uh, bring in. Now, I'm going to do something unique. I have, um, I have, we'll talk about my pairings here in a second, so you guys don't know the pairings, but I'm going to let you pick the cigars. So I have one, I have uh, two piles here, one more, uh, some of like more lighter cigars, and then some more robust, darker uh, cigars. So I uh, wanted to give, uh, so I'm going to give, Rob, I'm going to have you pick from the lighter uh, pack and then Randy, I want to have you pick from the uh, more robust uh, pile that I've got. So, uh, Rob, let's start with you. I've got the uh, Cavalier of Geneva Inner Circle, the one that they released last year. Mm. Looking forward to the Domaine Rouge that they're going to be releasing here in a couple of days or showcasing to the world, rather. Um, the uh, Dunbar Tobacco and Trust uh, Sober Mesa Brulee Blue. I believe this was a popular item not too long ago on, on one of y'all's shows. And then, of course, I've got the, uh, keeping with the blue theme here, the Cavalier of Geneva, and the Brulee Blue. I've got the Grand Habano Blue and Green. And just the Grand Habano. Yeah, and just to fuck things up, I've got the Crux Epicure, uh, Connecticut. Oh, so true. it's red. It's it's red, though. So I'm, I messed I, up. The, but red, white, and blue. I got the theme going here. We're, there you go. Patriotic. There you go. That's very patriotic. Like uh, I'm going to go with the uh, with the Cavalier, the first one. Okay. Inner circle. That's, uh, I, I haven't smoked that. I've smoked... I think I've smoked everything else on your list. I haven't smoked the Cavalier, so that's going to get my vote. Okay, cool. Sounds good. We'll do that. Now, it's the only one that pretty much out of the selection that's not an Ecuadorian Connecticut shade. So, But I, I, I view it as more lighter cigar, um, you know, more lighter profile and everything. So, all right. So that's from my lighter side. Um, and uh, Randy, the you're, you're the inspiration for tonight's exercise. I'm going to be kind of double fisting here a little bit um, with two <laughs> drinks. And uh, I know you probably got 10, but two drinks and two cigars. I'm going to be switching back and forth, kind of seeing what's up. All right. So from my pile, I've got the uh, Blackworks Studio Killer B. Not the Killer B Connecticut, mm-hmm. the original one. Uh, in the it. Killer B family, I do have the Shaolin as well. So. Ooh. So if you want me to get a little crazy, uh, the Christoph San Andreas. So, nice. so um, and then, of course, I also have McAuliffe A, one of my favorite daily mm. cigars I like to smoke. And then what's been a theme uh, for the last few days, if you guys have been following me on Instagram, 20 days of United Cigars, I have a United Cigars uh, Toro Maduro as well. Well, if what you say is true, the Shaolin could be dangerous. Uh, <laughs> nice. <laughs> that's so gonna have. To, that's gonna have to be my vote. Right? <laughs> that's, that's got. That's gotta be it. You, well, you, you do look like a, you do look like a character from Mortal Kombat, so I think it's kind of a. <laughs> yeah. Well, 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 well. That's fair. And, and and if I if I may share with the world, this is my mouse pad. So. Uh, <laughs> so you're not you're not just fronting. <laughs> As, as the kids used to say as the kids used to say yeah indeed all right perfect perfect so we'll talk about my pairings here in a second but those will be the cigars that i light up so uh thanks gentlemen uh wanted to, before we kind of got into your before your picks and everything wanted to kind of uh uh kind of kick things off here i thought i thought it was uh rather comical you you mentioned it rob how we kind of planned this a little bit in out of with randy's absence i felt like a little bit it was it was you and i going back and forth and everything uh much like this morning uh when i was confirming everything and all the details uh randy was somewhat uh absent from our 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 text rig and then he finally caught up about an hour before showtime so that was nice uh i like how you just tossed him on front street like that that's 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 fantastic here's the here's the thing i'm just the 
I'm just a co-host, man. I just show up where Rob tells me to, man. I, like I, I don't like I actually wish. have to do a whole lot of work. I just like well, he's like I was just wondering on the X. <laughs> I was just wondering, was like, are you just not a texter? Is that it? No, no, no. That's um, is that it? Uh, am I a texter? You know, I, you, know you know, I'll, I'll explain. Flows. I'll, I'll, ebbs yeah, and there, flows. There are ebbs and flows. That's perfect, actually. <laughs> uh, so pull back the curtain even more and put you even more on Front Street, Randy. Uh, we have a uh, a text chain between Randy, and myself, and Eric and Jordan from uh, Cigar Dojo, because that's where we air our show. And uh, lots of texting back and forth. And I don't know, if Randy, if you've got a new phone or what, but you started, to, you responded to a text. This was this morning. You responded to a text chain that was, I kid you not, four years old. I don't know how it still existed on your phone or what, but we have a text chain that we text each other like daily. And somehow you got onto the one that was four years old. Um, then we finally got you back onto the regular chain. And then you, Bear, you were texting me, or you're texting Randy and I, and Randy hadn't responded. So I figured, well, I'm going to go to the dojo one because at least that way other people see it. And if Randy doesn't show up, it's not just me. Um, and as soon as I said, like Randy was texting like vehemently back and forth. And then as soon as I said, hey, are, you know, are we still on for the show tonight? Crickets for like two hours. <laughs> that's a lie <laughs> no i'm just kidding i'm just kidding but uh no for, i i don't know Randy, what happened but you did end up texting back no one cares about this but the, the four, the four was, year old text thread is absolutely that's that's, that's, that's pretty that's pretty that's pretty mind-blowing that you were able to dig that up yeah how did that even exist I, on your phone I, I, I was i was doing some maintenance i i had some things going on you know it's uh just clicking some it, buttons and yeah. doing some things I'm, I'm excited to be here let's just leave it at that <laughs> well like every once in a nice. while i'll get a comment on facebook from a post from like years ago because the algorithm is just funny like that um and it's not like i posted like i shared a memory or something like that it's like no it's on the original post and like the last comment was like you know two and a half years ago and then suddenly like someone pops in with like, Oh, this is funny. Or well, how did that work out for you? Well, or chimes yeah. in. Yeah. It was like that. Would you get the, the, somebody likes one of your photos on Instagram from like 352 weeks ago. <laughs> it's like, I was showing like, a little thigh in that one. So I got a like on it somehow. I don't so, know. Makes you feel good. It, about it, yourself. Exploring the, exploring the hashtags or something just mm -hmm. weird like that. Yeah. It just makes you feel like yeah. you still got it. Yeah. So, uh, but I, I thought it was, I thought, uh, I thought it was, I was having a, I was having a hoot with it this morning, Randy. So I got to be honest with you, man. I was like, I was like, is this the right number? And he's like, and Rob was like, well, his photo's coming up on my end, and so, so I think we're good. <laughs> so I'm like, all right, cool, he'll get it eventually. We'll get there. And also, to yeah. be fair, I, I have Randy, I have Randy Griggs' cell one, two, three saved in my phone. I never know which one is the right one. It's actually it's cell number two. I don't know what cell number three was, but uh, somehow I've got three different versions of Randy. So that was the one with the right picture. Okay. I should show uh, everybody yeah. the picture because the picture that pops don't, up on my phone when, no, when, that, <laughs> when Randy I, I, you calls gotta get, You got to change that shit. No, it's genius, well, man. It's for, a great for me, photo. it's the photo with him tossing the wings up. Like that was, that's just, oh, that's, that's a nice. Yeah. That's a classic. That's a classic. Yeah. Yeah. You know, I, I won first place that day. Uh, I know. My, yeah, we talked about it last time. It was great. Trophy around here somewhere. I got a medal around here somewhere. I don't know if I told you guys, but I invented hot wings. <laughs> you're from buffalo we're, randy yeah, we're, just, we're just jealous randy we're just we you, look at you your know life I'll, and we're I'll, I'll never forget i the first time i ever flew into buffalo i was on my way to canada i flew into buffalo and i stopped in the airport and i got buffalo wild wing or buffalo wings 
thinking that they were going to be outstanding, and they were they were just meh. So, it was the airport. Um, I have. It to was say, airport food at the end. Nice. I have to interrupt this for, for the you know the fireworks have been going off nonstop since the sun went down, and even a little bit before that, and uh, now there are definitely sirens coming. Oh, <laughs> down the oh, street. No. So like, so uh, some some someone's lost some fingers already. So, yeah, somebody's going to need some. some happy some happy happy Independence Day, everybody. Yeah. <laughs> Keep wow. firing off those Chinese inventions. Good stuff. Oh my god! <laughs> I love I love I love fire I love fireworks, man. I love I don't care. I don't I don't, I don't care. I don't care about the origin, but I, just, I do I do think it's funny. I do think it's funny. I gotta say, uh, well, not what, well, not what happened in the, the Midwest. I mean, you guys you guys get the no. Really I'm in the I'm in the ones. South. Is is you don't but you get the good ones? Texas right? the Midwest. I consider Texas the Midwest. Apparently, yeah, I'm pretty sure I consider it the South. I mean, I'm not proud of it, but we, yeah, we definitely seceded from the Union. So. Yeah, um. that's that's fair. I used to spend summers in Missouri and the the fireworks out on the farm on the ranch were just I, I mean, they're, they're as big as like the big ones you see in the major cities and stuff like you don't see that in the cities that we live in and out here in California. I'll tell you that that, that stuff's all illegal out here. You'll you'll burn down the whole state if you like one of those things out here. But I love Fourth of July in, in the Midwest, man. But, does California that like hold sounds... a collective breath this weekend? Like, is that like yes. a? Yeah. Yes. I like. I don't. I don't. I'm really not trying to make light of it, but like, I mean, the the gosh, man, the wildfires out there have been just atrocious the last few years. I mean, yeah. it's just it's scary as hell sometimes. Yeah, absolutely. Uh, absolutely. And it, it, and you're right. We do. That is a good way to put it. We hold our collective breath. They're illegal in like most counties. I think some counties are more illegal than others. Um, but uh, it's <laughs> super but illegal it's, and illegal. Yeah. Uh, yeah, right. Like meaning like some counties allow certain ones and some counties don't allow any. Uh, we're here. I'm here in Contra Costa County. Randy isn't anymore, but uh, he used to be. Um, but like we can get those little things that look like bottles and you pull the tab and little things shoot out little pop bottles. And then we can get the little, little, pop ones. Yeah, the pop little ones. snaps that you throw on the ground. Like, that's it. Like, I can't even have sparklers, man. I have some sparklers in here. It's like contraband. I go to prison for that. Like state, like go to state. Yeah, it's not just county. I'd be going to state. State prince, state prison, for having those. Nice, Jeez. those snaps you throw on the ground. You know what I'm talking about? Those yeah, fun oh, yeah. Those, little, those little pop, pop. Yeah, yeah. yeah. Oh, there's the best. Yeah. Of course, when you get some thrown at your face, and that's when it's a different story. But you know, a little different. Yeah. Yeah. Especially with a beard, because you never really know. Like, th mm. there's got to be something igniting in there, and I'm just. Yeah. Not ready for for that. You can smell it though. <laughs> you could definitely smell. It. <laughs> you smell the singe. The, the singe. Yeah. It's like, oh damn it! Yeah. So, a, a, a man with me. the size of a beer that you have, bear as a cigar smoker, I can imagine you've smelt the singe. Um, not as often as you think, believe it or not. And I'm not Good. trying to brag about Good. it, but like, it's like, yeah, I don't. It, I mean, it's happened on occasion. Not gonna lie. So it's more in the mustache, <laughs> believe it or not. Not that. No, I believe that. Not this. It's crazy. Um, <laughs> uh, but let's uh, go ahead and launch into tonight's major point, which is always uh, brought to you by our good friends at Protocol Cigars. Uh, it's, uh, it's always about the people. Yes, cigar people, the people who know about a lifetime, everything about a lifetime of service. Protocol Cigars is more than just pool parties and good times. 
well, maybe it is. But behind the fun is a major, major motivation for service, a motivation for giving back. From the original Protocol Blue to the latest release in the Lawman series, Phoebe's Co- Phoebe Cousins, Protocol has always been about honor, passion, and yes, the people. It's what the life's work has been and always will be about. Power of the P, Protocol Cigars. So, gentlemen, we're, we're here to talk about a lot of different things, but of course, the main forte in y'all's uh, repertoire, your resume, if you will, is uh, is all about pairings and everything. So we're going to have a little fun with pairings tonight. You guys have already picked my cigars. I have the Cavalier of Geneva Inner Circle selected by Rob, and I have the uh, Killer Bee Shaolin from Blackwork Studio selected by Randy. And here are my pairings. Um, and I think these hit, I, I and this is going to be kind of strange. Like most people like to have lighter body, creamier cigars, like Connecticut shade cigars with their coffee in the morning. And I do enjoy that. Uh, but my preferred pairing with coffee actually is darker, more robust cigars. So I'll be pairing the Shaolin with a delectable blend from, yes, you guessed it, Starbucks coffee. Um, and, uh, and then my, uh, my other pairing will be the Cavalier Geneva Inner Circle with um, some tequila, the son tequila reposado. Yes. Nice. That is, I love tequila. I love a good whiskey. Love a good bourbon. Uh, but tequila has been my go-to libation and spirit for uh, quite some time. And uh, definitely a lot more, I don't know, last couple of years, even more so. There's a lot of good tequilas out there good stuff so um rob why don't you do us the honors what are you smoking and what did you pair it with all right i'm going with i've got the don carlos come on baby focus there we go uh this is the anniversario uh 2007 so this uh, cigar has got some age on it i think this one came out circa uh de anniversario 2007 it came out in what year was this? 2013? 2012, yeah. 20, 2012, 2013. I um, so, yes. Yeah. So that's what I'm smoking. Just dug this one out of the of the humidor. Uh, I've been doing this uh, cigar media thing for a while. So there's a lot of uh, a lot of things bouncing around in the humidor there that uh uh that for whatever reason, sometimes things just hang around. This one's hung around for a while, so I thought, why not burn that one tonight? And I am pairing a uh, delicious mojito, uh, which it looks very dark. Obviously, it doesn't. It's not a clear mojito. I used um, I used Havana Club uh, seven uh, seven year the Añejo seven, uh, the last of my uh, of that bottle um, that I picked up when I was in Mexico. So that's uh, that's what I'm going with with some uh, some limes that I purchased from Safeway, Randy. And some, uh, some, <laughs> it's just like the look on your face. Randy's always <laughs> talking about how he, he plants a lime tree and that's, it's all homegrown stuff. He makes his own sugar. I don't know how he does it. Um, but, uh, if you, if you tune into our show, you'll, you'll understand. But, uh, I did, however, grow the mint in my backyard because anybody, uh, with any sort of, you could just have a square foot and like two drops of water and you can grow some mint. That stuff is like a weed. You can grow it anywhere. But uh, that's true. Story yeah. That. Fresh mint and some uh, some. Um, what did I say? Havana Club uh, seven year and seven in Neho seven year, whatever uh, the black bottle. Uh, that's what I'm drinking. Mint and mint and basil. Right. So. Oh, yeah. Basil, for yeah. whatever reason, I can't grow it. 
Interesting. I can't, I can't, I can't do it. They're, it always, yeah, it always they're dies. invasive. What do you know? Yeah, it, yeah. always, it always, maybe I, I try too hard. Like I, I pay attention to it and like water it and stuff. Uh, mm. I've been trying to grow pumpkins for these last couple of years. I mean, I don't know if, if uh, you know, folks in the audience are, are familiar with me or whatever, but I, I love Halloween. Mm-hmm. And so I've been trying to grow pumpkins and it turns out, Randy, in California, you have to plant pumpkins in like March if you want to have them for October, which always seems really early for me. Um, but this year I didn't plant my own. I bought some pre pre planted, already started uh, seedlings, if you will. Juve- uh, juvenile plants, if you will. In, in, indeed. Indeed. Uh, family show, Randy. And um, I uh, and, like I've got tons of pumpkins, like the size of freaking cantaloupes already. But I do go out there. I water them every morning. I talk to them. I read them haikus and stuff yeah. to make sure that they're going to grow. That's the secret. It's the haiku, is. right? It's yeah. it's uh, yeah. it's really underrated when it comes to gardening. Um, but uh, yeah, I can grow mint, and now I can grow uh, now I can grow pumpkins. I hope. Hopefully, they make it. It's hundred degrees though. Who knows if they're going to survive? I'll stop rambling, Randy. What are you? Uh, what's your pairing? Before so, uh, uh, Ru- actually, yeah, go, go ahead, go ahead, go ahead, Randy, and then I'll tell us what the goal was tonight. I, I messed I messed up that cue. Go ahead, Randy, please. Oh, well, we, uh, so, uh, well, I don't want to give it away now, Bear, but but Bear challenged us to, to, to pair one of our favorite pairings that we go back to, um, so frequently, uh, Rob immediately assumed that I would do the Pedro 1926 and, uh, Cigar City Maduro, uh, and so that, that's what led him to the lovely Cameroon wrapped, uh, Don Carlos and a mojito. And lo and behold, I also showed up to the show with a uh, Arturo Fuente, Don Carlos and a mojito. So um, I, I, I will say I also grew uh, the mint myself. I have two different varietals of mint in my garden. Uh, and so I, I went half and half on the mint. Of um, course and, you do. And, and sugar cane is how you make your own sugar. Rob, it's sugar cane. Okay. So you grow, you grow, you got like a sugar cane farm in your backyard? Because that's awesome. I didn't make my own sugar. You say you didn't know how it was done. I at least know how I would accomplish it. Does all sugar come from sugar cane? Like, I'm really dumb when it comes to, I don't know. I have no idea. Yeah. It does? Okay. Yeah. It's all just different levels of refinement refinement really right. you know, from molasses to pioncillo to uh if you came you know just white table sugar yeah um obviously Tur- you got turbinadas yeah yeah tur- exactly so you it's like the, is it like primings to bring it back it's, to, uh... it's like yeah, yeah, it let's is, yeah. With that. see what i do i bring yeah, it full circle i bring I, I yeah, back. Yeah, the, yeah demerara is like like a lajero sugar yeah. <laughs> <laughs> i like that i like that so, um, well, I've got the uh, uh, the first one. I haven't lit up the inner circle yet, but I've, I'm, I'm pairing the Shaolin with uh, with coffee. And like like uh, Randy said, the, the what I challenged with the gentleman with tonight was just bringing back pairings that kind of hit. Like uh, the goal of y'all's show is is you guys kind of love to explore. I mean, it's called Flavor Odyssey, so you guys explore a lot of different things. And sometimes you go really you know off the beaten path and really really get you know crazy and explore with a lot of stuff. And uh, so I wanted to kind of bring it home a little bit and just you know not you know not step on your toes too much, but bring it home to in the sense of like what you know. What always hits for y'all? So, what is it about the mojito um, that really hits with that Cameroon wrapper and the Don Carlos uh, for you, Rob? That's a really good question, and I, it's it's hard to answer uh, because. And Randy and I, we talk about this a lot, and this is a topic that we we cover a lot on our show is uh, citrus and how that bright citrus and acidity 
compare with the different flavors that you're getting from, you know, all your different types of tobaccos, right? So all your different types of cigars. And there's something about this Cameroon and, there, and well, let's, I'm going to, I'm going to backtrack a little bit. Flavor memory is a big thing too. So like whenever you have some sort of flavor that kind of sends you back to another place uh, that resonates for you, uh, that's how I, whenever I'm like, if I'm writing a review for a cigar like that ever really happens, it's been a couple of years, but um, that to me, like that's where I, those flavor components come from. It's a flavor memory. Um, and I think the first time that I ever paired a cigar with a mojito was at Casa Fuente in Las Vegas with Randy and the Cigar Dojo crew in what, 2019. Um, cause up until then I had always avoided anything with citrus in it. Uh, and that, uh, we smoked the Casa Fuente that night, which I think has a very similar wrapper, Randy, if I'm correct. I'm, it's not, I don't know if it's the exact same wrapper as this, um, but I think it's pretty close. Uh, and it's something about it just works. And sometimes that's okay with pairing Randy. You might have a better answer than I do. Uh, but for me, <clears throat> I get an earthy sweetness from the cigar. I get an earthy sweetness from that sugar cane. And uh, the brightness of the lime uh, to me and the, and the mint is really just almost like a palate cleanser, but the brightness of the lime really kind of pulls everything together on both sides for me. So it's kind of a, uh, for me, it's that kind of earthy sweet. Nice. And whenever I talk about earthy sweet, I always, I think of sugar cane and apparently that's where all sugar comes from. So we're, I, you know, we're, we're all learning something tonight. Well, I wonder, I wonder how the mojito would actually complement even more, a more aged, um, Don Carlos's and stuff because like when when this this happens pre pretty consistently across the board with a lot of uh, Fuentes Cameroons that they get from the Marifels is that after like two years they kind of like they they start to bring out this mintiness and if you're not prepared for it it can be really off-putting but if you're if you know what you're getting into with an aged Fuente it's like oh okay yeah like, like this it's pretty it's pretty typical so I wonder if that would that'd be an interesting that'd be an interesting side project to put some back and then, you know, make a really nice mojito and, and see how it complements with a more aged one day. See how that goes. It's funny. Uh, and this is how suggestive all this stuff can be. Um, this is obviously, this is an aged uh, an aged Fuente. This is, you know, 10 oh, that's right, right. Yeah. 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 <clears throat> and uh, I was like, Oh, you don't have to really experience that mint flavor from, from the cigar. And I take a puff and sure enough, I taste mint. So it's, you know, it's like, like you said, Randy, you're a beer judge. And if anybody says anything, you're like, you, when you're all judging a beer, it has to be quiet, right? Because as soon as somebody says, oh, this tastes like strawberry donuts, now everybody's going to taste strawberry freaking donuts. So, so true. Uh, it's interesting. I've never really experienced that kind of uh, minty flavor, but I do get a bit of more of an, I, it's like, I think of it as more of like an herbal spice. Yeah, herbal spice. Uh, which, I mean, yeah, that's basically kind of what mint is, but I don't think I've ever put the, the mint label on it, but that makes a ton of sense. Yeah, no, I, I can see that. Like you said, you know, so often we, we go to Anise or cardamom uh, when, when we're talking about uh, the, uh, kind of that herbal note in cigars. Um, you know, I find cardamom to be very um, kind of along that menthol-ish kind of, kind of vibe uh, as well. So so there's definitely, like you said, Rob, I don't know that I've used mint specifically as a descriptor for uh, for just smoking a cigar before, but but that family of of uh, of herbs and spices uh, definitely has has shown its uh, has reared its head, if you will, even even to a to a note of, of clove would be I, I'd say in that same family. Mm -hmm. For me, one of the things about this uh, pairing why I enjoy it so much, I usually consider this uh, a contrasting pairing. Uh, contrasting pairing is always the hardest thing that that you can do any time you're trying to pair any two elements. 
Um, and that, uh, you know, when things contrast on your palate, they, they usually conflict. They usually fight each other. They usually like stand apart and uh, often create bitterness or, or a sharp characteristic that's uh, typically seen as unpleasant on the palate. And so when you can find things that are uh, very, uh, on polar ends of the spectrum that work well together, it creates a, 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 a really exciting and, and note-taking moment um, in your, in, on your palate in general. Um, so for me, you know, uh, you know, the Don Carlos, the Cameroon rapper, uh, you know, I always think of it as being very, very woody, very, very like hay. And, and like, I think of burlap and, and, and rope and, uh, like those mustier, uh, characteristics with a lot of cinnamon. And so when you, when you pair that with the, the sweetness and the mint, I mean, you're going to the other end of the spectrum. And so, uh, so often, again, when you're when you're dealing with flavor characteristics that are that are opposing each other, it usually uh, creates a, an unpleasant, uh, you know, sensory experience. And and so I, I feel like that's one of the reasons why this one like uh, rings so true with me because it's just like in a lot of ways, if you were to write these down and look at a flavor wheel and a flavor spider map and 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 try and figure out you know chemically why they they work. Um, on paper, they shouldn't. Uh, and, and then so, <laughs> somehow it's just so enjoyable and pleasant and extreme. It, like, and no one would describe, I, I don't think, a Don Carlos as a high intensity flavored cigar or, or even a mojito, all that intense. You know, obviously that mint kind of pushes it more, in, uh, you know, more, a little more intensity. But, but I feel like two medium to medium plus at most intensity elements come off as as hyper intense when they combine on your palate and so uh uh you, you know i use this term all the time on our show uh bear but like for me a gr the greatest pairings are when you you find that the experience is greater than that of the sum of its parts uh where it's just like I, I like this one a lot i like this one a lot but man when they're together it creates this whole other level of of experience and and pleasure uh from a flavor standpoint that uh that's transcendent in, in some ways and like really like creates that flavor memory to to rob's point you know like though that night or those nights when we've gone to costa fuente in vegas together like it those ring out as some of our favorite memories every time we all get together as a bunch of buddies and just like talk those always stand out as some of our best memories and like what we did that evening or what happened at that event wasn't particularly more exciting than other times we had been together or hung out, but like, but we did have that pairing and that like somehow like ingrains that experience into our memories. Like, Oh man, remember that one time with the mojitos? Yeah. You know, it's kind of, kind of different. Yeah. I don't, I don't remember how we got there, Randy. And I don't remember how we got home, but I remember the pairing. <laughs> and how it just worked how it just worked that's crazy yeah it's wow. it's funny because it doesn't seem like it should work and and like i said like i had always uh steered away from fruity kind of flavors especially bright citrus uh for that that tartness and the acidity uh because that can be really like tartness and acidity and bitterness are the like the hardest things sure. in my mind to pair with because they're such uh, strong components, uh, strong flavor components. And, and you're, everyone reacts differently to this stuff, but like pairing with an IPA, I mean, Randy and I both love beer. We both uh, have worked in the beer industry. Um, but pairing with an IPA is tough, but if you yeah. find that right pairing, sometimes it doesn't have to make any sense. It's just, I mean, flavor is subjective. I, I smoke a cigar and I'm going to taste, 
leather and um, chocolate and some coffee and maybe some barnyard notes. And you could smoke it and you're like, well, I taste molasses and, uh, you know, um, I don't know, charred sugar and, and uh, creme brulee or something. We could all have the same, we can have the same cigar and totally different experiences. So it's, it is interesting for, I do think it's kind of funny that uh, Randy and I ended up picking the same thing. I thought for sure you were going with a rye old fashioned because that's, you can't stop drinking rye old fashions on our show. So I figured now that you had a chance to do it, and we wouldn't make fun of you. Uh, you would <laughs> you would really go for it. Um, but uh, and I thought I was taking the high road, you know, leaving that one for you because I do. I, I, I the the first cigar I picked out of the humidor, I didn't even realize I had any more, was a, a Padron uh, twenty six uh, Maduro, and I was like, oh, freaking perfect! I'm gonna do that. I'm gonna do a rye old fashioned. Like now, Randy's probably gonna do that, so I'll go in this other direction. But sure enough, we did the same thing. Well, it's all right. I, I actually have a uh, uh, an old fashioned that, that I'm going to talk about a little bit later. later <laughs> yeah, you've got, a, you've got a backup. There you go. He has for my, my he's, 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 he's got his wife making it in the next room. So she's just going to make it. She's going to come in entrance. It's going to be one of those smoked rye old fashions too. He's going to pull off the Ooh. and just you know you know I haven't done enough with uh, smoke in my cocktails yet. I'm glad you mentioned that. I'm gonna, I'm going to. Uh, challenge myself this season to introduce that I into uh i figured that'd shows. be like your like your thing man that's yeah, it, it feels like it should be it, yeah i know i i have i've i've only experienced it a couple of times at some like foo-foo events that i've gone to for work uh where, where, where like they really laid it out and they had like it's like charred teak wood smoking uh, like, like some really like nice stuff uh I, yeah i i haven't uh i haven't imbibed in, in the activity at home yet let's well, it's kind of the the simplicity of like my my drinking a little bit like i i don't drink as much beer as i used to i, I hardly drink beer anymore it, it's it's really quite sad it uh <laughs> i i it raises my it raises my 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 blood my my heart rate like hmm. alcohol doesn't like well not all alcohol but beer does so and hmm. Like, I just, I can't come down from it. Like if I come, you know, if I have like, you know, I'll, I can have one every now and then, but I like maybe two, but if I, have, you know, like if I do three or some three or four or something, especially when it's really hot, no matter how cold the beer is, it makes you feel good and tastes fantastic. Um, yeah. Like my, my heart rate will just stay jacked for like another 12 hours. It's I'm going to send you a case of beer and some Ambien. <laughs> see what happens i'll be the first person to like not go to sleep on ambient or something that'd be crazy the the, the beer to get you up and the ambient to level you out <laughs> <laughs> yeah, yeah yeah well that's uh, the, that's the thing that, about like the wolf the, of the wall street <laughs> <laughs> that's the thing like i remember it was it was, was pre-covid when i i kind of uh kind of put a needle on it because i had been i'd been doing it you know I'd, I'd had beer all the time for the last few years and stuff but it was a it was the it was the last company event my company had before covid and i was like man i'm getting that feeling again i don't know what the fuck's going on and i looked down at my watch because you know my mark my watch tracks my heart rate and stuff and my resting heart rate sitting typically like this right now is like you know anywhere from you know 60 to 65 it's relatively normal right um but man i was sitting there i was sitting and I wasn't even standing or walking around. I was sitting there drink. I was on my like second, maybe third beer. Uh, and my, my heart rate was sitting at 120. 
Whoa. Oh, yeah. yeah. And like, I, so, I, thought you, I thought you were going to say like high 80s. You went straight 120. It, doubled, Bro, it takes me straight, 10 minutes of cardio at the gym. Double, yeah, it's it crazy. So, yeah. So straight like to your point, Randy, that's all cardio. Right. So like you're thinking like yeah. you're burning like I was burning every bit of calorie I was drinking, which, OK, that sounds cool. Except for like <laughs> by the time it was like at the end of the day, like I was just fucking tanked, man. Like not drunk. I was exhausted just exhausted, dead ass yeah, just dead yeah, ass tired yeah. like i couldn't even lift my arms it was just it was crazy. just crazy um huh, just huh. absolutely crazy so, so so it's mostly a tequila diet now for your your imbibing pleasure yeah well no i can do any kind of spirit any kind of spirit i'm fine it's crazy like yep. does not it does not matter um darker beers i tend to be okay with too like i'll i can mm. i can down i can down a couple guinnesses and it doesn't have the effect on me it's mm. kind of, could be a hot thing yeah, so. there's got to be an, there's an allergy in there somewhere. Yeah, so maybe that's not. interesting. That's what I was saying. People do do have reactions to hops, no, no doubt about that. But I but I I do love that that you've pointed out that you've because uh, a lot of people swear they love tequila and everything. But I love that you even pointed out that like over the last few years, uh, you found yourself imbibing and enjoying tequilas more. And you know you know it's, it, I don't feel like it's any coincidence. You know, uh, tequila is the fastest growing uh, spirit. Um, Second only to mezcal, pardon me. Mezcal is the fastest growing, but it's a much smaller base, so the percentages seem higher. But uh, tequila is really the fastest growing, like by volume, uh, spirit in America. And it's led to so many uh, like new brands releasing tequilas and, you, you know, di- different uh, uh, kind of expressions of tequila in general. And so uh, we're, we're, we're living in the age of tequila right now. So it's a, it's a good yeah. time to get out there and do some experimenting and see what's uh, what's available in your neighborhood. There's no doubt about that. You know, who loves uh, a good, a great tequila is the, the, the chief of Broadleaf himself, Mr. Nick Malillo. Is that right? Yeah. Yeah. We, we actually did a tequila pairing uh, last time I had him on. Um, and uh, it was, it was, it was just absolutely fantastic. It really went well with a couple of his cigars. Um, so to, uh, to that point though, um, really, really enjoying both. I've, I've kind of gone back and forth. Uh, the inner circle really goes really well with the coffee. Uh, and the, the Shaolin is excellent with this tequila, the tequila um, to your point, Randy, about the demand that's gone up. It's because of, uh at one point uh in the early 2000s like right uh like 2005 2006 i remember reading this article how asia was the grand demand on jose cuervo and not it was like it was something obnoxious that you wouldn't think is accurate it's like one of those stats like it's uh you'll appreciate this rob it's like one of those barry bond stats that can't be real but really were you know uh 92 percent at one point of of jose cuervo's production was going to asia Whoa! Because of the demand, yeah, it was wow. like something stupid like that. I mean, and let's face it, we like we like margaritas here in the states. Like that's crazy, <laughs> you know. That's nuts. Yeah, so, that's ninety-two percent. Wow. Yeah, yeah I, I would have called BS on that. Yeah, that was crazy. So, well, I, well, you know, Jose Cuervo is um, such a massive company, and I, I love that you brought them up because I think that's one of the great things too that we've seen that even brands you know and, and and hell rob just figured this out recently he's been drinking um forget which which uh one it was but uh rob's been swearing up and down about a jack daniels uh product that, that he's been really enjoying he got a, a bottle of recently isn't that right uh that? The, the jack daniels 10 year uh which i've yeah. i had i hadn't had there's there's a couple actually i've never really drank much jack i mean other than like jack and coke or whatever 
Um, <clears throat> but they've got a couple of uh, small, like e easier to find releases, Jack Daniels Bonded and um, the Sour Mash, which are both about like $30 a bottle. And you can find both of those. I haven't had the, sh the Sour Mash. I've heard it's really good. But um, Single Barrel is like a $30 bottle and it's pretty damn good. My wife got me a bottle of that at Costco. But yeah. I, I got lucky and found a bottle of the Jack Daniels 10. They have a 10 year and a 12 year that come out. I don't think they come out every year. It's like every other year, something like that. It's allocated. It's hard to find, blah, blah, blah. It's like 60 bucks if you find it. Then secondary market's like $399, some crazy nonsense like that. But I saw it at Costco and they it was like one bottle per person. So I bought it just on a whim. And it's one of the best whiskeys I've ever had. It's super, yeah. super good. Well, and to that point, it was making my point perfectly of just like, you know, Cuervo has such a bad name because of gold. You know, it's just like everyone re relates the name Jose Cuervo to like some really bad headache they had just out of high school. <laughs> and, uh, you know, I had the opportunity a couple of years ago uh, to head down to Tequila, Mexico and uh, and spend some time down there and go go to uh, Mundo Cuervo, which is their their main uh, factory. And uh, you go in, you go in. I was blown away by how many known uh, brands that we that were very recognizable in their store that I had no idea were Cuervo brands. You know, it's, it's Intario. Um, uh, obviously, 1800s made a uh, you, you know made a run. They're putting a lot more marketing dollars behind that. But they've got a slew of different uh, tequilas that are just remarkable, and and their their like facilities is fully state of the art. Their barrel room has these timed or, or I'm sorry, humidity driven misting. Uh, a system in their barrel house that when the humidity drops even by one percent the misters turn on to keep uh moisture in the barrels that prevents the the angel share the the um the evaporation uh because tequila wow. does not uh depend on the evaporation the same way that like bourbon does like bourbon you want it to can concentrate and, and and have some evaporation that like actually kind of creates more of a caramel character and a higher abv um they don't do that with like a a, a silver tequila that, and so they they don't want it to evaporate so they have this misting system that keeps their barrels wet uh, nice and humid um but we went through and we tasted like a whole panel i ended up you know with a sliced open foot on stage you know singing with the mariachis at the end of the night um but uh but they, they do they, they do an amazing sounds uh, like, it sounds like a tuesday <laughs> tuesday with you randy but yeah, boy, we gotta travel together man you, you, you'll, you'll have a <laughs> I, I, I promise you'll have stories to tell of nothing else. <laughs> Travel with Randy, get a nice big Airbnb. You give him the second biggest bedroom, and he will promise to make breakfast for everybody in the morning. And it's a really good breakfast. It's totally <laughs> worth it. It's worth all the BS that you have to put up with, you know, like making sure he gets home, not getting arrested, all that kind of stuff. Uh, it's it's totally worth it. Uh, and the weird, the weird tattoos that you end up with, too, is kind of fun. Like, I've got three that I don't even remember ever getting. One of them is his face. I had no idea that that even happened. It's 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 the flavor Odyssey coin image. Yeah, I won't tell you where it is. It's it's his story to it's, tell. It's but either, it's, 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 like you you got to guess is it the left nipple or the right nipple? I mean that's that's really the only question. But 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 I'll tell you you want to know what one of the the most interesting brands that Jose Cuervo makes that I would have never guessed is Cholula hot sauce actually. Yes, Ooh, I love some Cholula, man. Yeah, I, everyone I cannot, has. I had no idea. Yeah, it's a Cuervo brand the product. It's a, the iconic oh. wooden cap, man. Yeah, I, no, I had, absolutely. I had no idea.
I had some yeah, on a sandwich. I'm a chicken I had some on a Chipotle sandwich guy. Today. Nice. Yes. Nice. Yeah. yeah. You're you're all you're all about Cuervo. Man. Yeah. <laughs> I'll, uh, dude, I love me some hot sauce too. So that'll that'll that can be uh we go put a pin in that. We can talk about that's that's hot a whole separate episode, right? Yeah, there. I was gonna say hot sauce can be the next uh, the next time I have you guys on. So that was that was Randy's nickname in college, by the way. <laughs> hot sauce, I believe it. Uh, or 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 muy caliente for short. <laughs> um, I answered to, to to both. All right, Caliente. Well, you're up on this next this next segment. We're going to bring in our presidential trivia segment. It is multiple choice. Um, I thought about doing something with uh, with the charity that she chose a little bit, um, but I do have an interesting fact that will be fun about that uh, here in a second, Randy. When we get to that, but. Uh, um, but uh, tonight's presidential trade segment is always brought to you by United Cigars, featuring La Gian Havana, distributors of Jose Dominguez, Bandolero, Garofalo, the Firecracker, and the highly acclaimed Atabay, Byron, and now Alfonso Lines from Selected Tobacco. Smoke one today and start living united. Yes, it's time for the presidential trivia segment. So, guys, it's pretty easy. It's a multiple choice question, and uh, I tried to tailor a little bit towards what we're talking about or who my guest is. And so, since we're talking about libations and talking about spirits, I thought uh, I'd do some deep diving on this. Uh, a lot of presidents have had some favorite beverages over the years and uh, some some good ones, And uh, except for Abraham Lincoln, uh, who's my favorite president. His favorite beverage was literally water. Man, no. <laughs> Guy delivered one of the most iconic speeches in American history in the Gettysburg, Gettysburg Address, and, you know, he couldn't come up with anything more interesting than, you know, H2O, but that's fine. Um, but, uh, but this president, which president? Uh, had a nearly near daily lineup that consisted of starting his day with a hard cider, then moving on to a porter beer, some rum, and then copious amounts of Madeira. Mm. Was it A, William Howard Taft, B, Ulysses S. Grant, D, or excuse me, C, John Adams, or D, George W. Bush? So, Randy, I'll give you first crack at it. B. B, Ulysses S. Grant. Okay. Uh, I think that would probably, be, I was going to say, like, for whatever reason, when you were explaining that, I was thinking Teddy Roosevelt. But um, <clears throat> I didn't, uh, That obviously, he wasn't one of the guesses. What are the options again? Okay. William Howard Taft, Ulysses S. Grant, which is what uh, Randy picked. Right. C, John Adams, or D, George W. Bush. So the second Bush. I'm going to go W. I think it was the dub Adams. Yeah, probably. So it is actually John Adams, believe it or not. Yes. <laughs> so uh, I, uh, I, 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 I kind of knew that. I kind of almost knew that, but you threw me off with the Madeira because that one that I've never heard of. Well, so the interesting thing about that, like that was a great that you totally went chalk, Randy, because you Lucy's S. Grant was an alcoholic, like full blown, like just <laughs> smoking cigars, even on cigars, and then also just drunk half the time. So I mean, you weren't too far off. Now the in, the uh, uh, the funny thing about Rob's pick is that I threw that in there as a as a curveball. George W. is actually a, uh, is, a, is a is a recovering alcoholic, so oh. he actually well, now I he, feel like a jerk. So. Uh, he dr pepper was his beverage of choice oh uh, i do like a dr pepper though i'm not a big soda guy but if if i gotta go i'm going i'm going with the dr pepper yeah but, yeah if i if i remember when he when his daddy was president and he was the owner of the texas rangers he was known as a little bit of a 
uh, of a playboy and got himself into some trouble. Oh, yeah. Uh, yeah. Yeah. I, 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 I forgot he was uh, full blown recovery, but but I did remember that he had to like write the ship at, at yeah. some point before his presidency. That's that's yeah. the W that I was thinking of, I think, when uh, when I made the guess. But that's it's funny. As yeah. soon as I said it, I was thinking it was probably John Adams and you said the same thing. And sure enough. Yeah, there you go. Yeah. Well, uh, what I love about your uh, pick that you wanted to throw in there, Rob, was uh, is that Teddy uh, was a big fan of of something that uh, is pretty darn close to what you guys are drinking. So it's a um, it was a mint julep was his mm. was his drink of choice. So mm -hmm. the mint, the rye that uh, that uh, um, Randy is so partial to normally, he liked to throw a little brandy in his. Ooh, like mm -hmm. a floater? Mm -hmm. Yeah, I guess. Like a, something. A little brandy. Gee, that's that's awesome. it's, it's like Vucaray with, with some mint. Kind of, yeah. That's funny. I'm I was into it. The, the other pairing that I was thinking about, Randy, was the uh, Tatuaje Tushla, uh, but Ooh, I didn't have a Tushla 7, but that was the one that we did specifically, mm. and the Vucaray. Because the Vucaray, I'll tell you what, if uh, anybody watching, if you love cigars, yeah. and you, if, you, yes. if you know what a Vucaray is, or if you don't know, look it up. Because it's Look a fantastic, it's a, I can't think of the, the proportions of the alcohol off the top of my head to tell everybody the recipe, right. uh, but uh, Vucare is one of those drinks that sounds, you know, very pinkies up and you're always going to find it in like the, those old school classic bars. I think it, its origins come from New Orleans, uh, but uh, that is a damn fine cocktail, uh, especially with, uh, with any cigar, just about any, I would say any Habano or darker, uh, you know, maybe a Connecticut, you're going to run it over, but that's a, that's a fantastic pairing. Yeah, you so, go equal parts whiskey, cognac, vermouth, mm, and some mm -hmm. Benedictine. Oh, my goodness. It is a absolute perfect cocktail for a cigar pairing. Yeah, that's a good so, one. So, Randy, I got, I, got, I got a recipe for you. Ready? This is a one. I stored this up for this segment in particular. It's uh, called McKinley's Delight. It's named for President William McKinley. Uh, who departed, unfortunately, this earth a little too shortly as he was assassinated, which led to Teddy Roosevelt being uh, being president. So, uh, but William McKinley had a uh, signature cocktail, obviously, in his that was named. So uh, you're gonna love this: three ounces of rye whiskey, strong rye whiskey, at least 100 proof. Okay, one ounce sweet vermouth, two dashes of cherry brandy, and a dash of yes, gentlemen, you guessed it, absinthe. Ooh, I was going to say absinthe when you said it. Dash. I've been, as soon as you started getting into older president drinking habits, I'm surprised it took this long for absinthe to come up. I, yeah, I, I was fair. absolutely yeah. expecting when, when you said that uh, that Teddy's uh, when you said he had a favorite before you said mint julep, I guess it would have been absinthe 100 percent. So that was three ounces of 100 proof rye. Yeah. One ounce of sweet vermouth. Correct. That's a big ass cocktail right there two dashes of cherry brandy and a dash of ab absinthe so it's like just it's straight fucking alcohol there's like that's no, four ounces of, of just straight booze in one drink problem yeah. that. <laughs> randy's like i got two going on right now i don't know what's <laughs> yeah, yeah that's, uh, that's I, I see it. again just I a tuesday so i, I, see, so, I support it so randy make sure you're only four drinks in before you make that concoction for your next flavor odyssey episode you know? <laughs> <laughs> hey, hey bear could can I throw a question at you? Sure. In so I mean it's the the Fourth of July weekend, so you're obviously we're all thinking kind of about American history. I I've realized I was watching um, National Treasure last night, 
Oh yeah, it's it's a fantastic movie. Yeah, uh, that was complete probably fi- like complete fiction, but I fucking love it. Uh, I dig it totally. Yeah, it's it's fun. But this, I mean, he's dropping like all these different. You're looking into all this different history and some like presidential facts and some some stuff about the the history of the country. And as you say, a lot of it is 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 fictitious, but some of it's based in fact, right? Sure. Uh, and I realize that like my knowledge of American history is terrible, like absolutely terrible. If if I wanted to start learning about American history. Could you point me in the direction of like one or two books that you, that you really like? Um, like an overall general history of the, sure. U- of us history. Or, okay. Just or any of your favorites. Maybe it's about oh. someone specific or okay. biography about somebody or whatever. So if you really want to have fun and really, if you really want to have fun, this is a, this is a book that I discovered shortly before I met Miguel Shodell for the first time. And we bonded over this book. Uh, it's called fighting with presidents. Uh, and, uh, it's, it's a satirical piece, but it's based in fact, uh, and, uh, I forgot the author I'm looking it up. So, um, I'll send, uh, I'll post the link. It's called how to fight with presidents, defending yourself against the, uh, the, <laughs> the, uh, uh, the badasses who ran this country. Um, and it, it goes into, it goes into what I've always held true about why I love presidential trivia in the, in the first place is because I, I, that you have to be fucking crazy to run for office. Like you just have to be nuts. Like it, like everyone is just absolutely outside their mind because every day you wake up and half the country hates you and half the country loves you. And every decision you ever make from the fucking cereal that you pick for breakfast to like, should I drop a nuke on this country is criticized with that margin. Like, you know, mm-hmm. like you're half wrong, half right every day. I mean, to live like that for, yeah. yeah to live like lucky, that. Right? Yeah. yeah. If you're lucky, <laughs> yeah, yeah. Yeah, if you're that's, lucky. The be- yeah. that's the best case scenario. <laughs> Is it a 50-50 shot, right? So it's 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 just absolutely crazy. I think they're absolutely nuts. But it's Daniel O'Brien is the author, and he writes – it's wonderful. It's a quick – it's a really great fast read. takes you through all the presidents. It's it's very comical, um, and I think it's incredibly well-written, and it's it's it's, it's fantastic. Uh, hmm. But my uh, – but my favorite – my probably my favorite um, – my favorite book um, – um, one of my favorite authors uh, is Doris Kearns Goodwin. Uh, she is a – brilliant historian um and a couple of the ones that team of rivals which is the political genius of abraham lincoln his cabinet consisted of people that actually hated him um and um which goes back to one of my favorite my favorite sayings uh which if you're if you're if you're smart you know surround yourself with you know smart people who disagree with you and if you're dumb surround yourself with smart people well abraham lincoln was very smart and so he surrounded himself with a lot of people that disagreed with him uh including uh, his his famous secretary of state william seward uh who they were actually very bitter rivals uh they ran against each other in the presidential election and they agreed almost on nothing uh for the most part and uh, they became actually quite good friends uh, over the next you know um you know four years uh, before you know, Lincoln was assassinated just a couple of weeks into his second term. So, um, you know, and he himself, Seward himself almost lost his life too in that assassination um, conspiracy. So um, <laughs> pretty, pretty cool stuff. So team of rivals is really great. Uh, but if you, if you're a fan of Teddy, she wrote, uh, she also wrote uh, uh, the bully pulpit, uh, which is Theodore Roosevelt, William Howard Taft and the golden age of journalism, which I think you'd appreciate. So um, some really really great stuff really great work she's a brilliant brilliant historian I, I i love her uh she's fantastic cool yeah i just want to throw that at you i've been 
Um, as, as, uh, as you know, we, uh, bear and I are in a, we've got a little Facebook uh, chat group. They just talk with a bunch of cigar guys. We all talk about baseball and, uh, I've been uh, devouring some, uh, some baseball, uh, history books, um, and just some, you know, sp- about specific athletes and just about the game in general, uh, just finished one about Bo Jackson, uh, awesome. the last folk, the last folk hero by Jeff Perlman. It was fan- phenomenal books. It's so, so, so good. Um, and I always, I used, I always used to say like, if I had three wishes, one of my wishes would be to fix Bo's hip. Um, cause he was a transcendent athlete. Yeah. Um, but, uh, no, I, I just, given the time of year and thinking of, of, uh, you know, of American history, it just was a question that I figured you'd have a good answer for. And of course you did. You gave me three, uh, three books to add to my list. So thank you. Absolutely. I think it w- the interesting question about Bo is like, w- you, if he had actually had a, a full career in both sports and, and no doubt he would have been potentially hall of fame in both sports, you know, if not one and just an incredible athlete, as you said, it would be an interesting discussion today. I think, you know, who's the more, who, who's the, who's the better athlete Shohei Otani or Bo Jackson. Mm-hmm. Um, and like sheer athletic ability, you know, everyone's probably like rolling their eyes. Of course, it's Bo Jackson Bear. But like when you think about the dual difficulty of what Otani has to do yeah. on a daily basis, it's, you know, compared to just two, basically two different sports. But I don't know. It would be an interesting discussion, I think. Yeah. And, and you and I could have it. Uh, Randy would fall asleep. Uh, we'd lose half our audience, but um, uh, to me, man, Bo, Bo was a Raider, rolled Tide and, and Raider Nation all day. Oh, yeah. I'll, 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 I'll chop it up, dude. With Bo. Don't roll, don't roll should... Tide. He was from Auburn, man. Yeah, he, oh, yeah Auburn, Auburn, I knew, yeah, I, yeah. I knew it was connected somehow to, to yeah. Alabama. Yeah, yeah. That's right. Um, the, the bitter rival of Alabama, not Alabama. Yeah. If, if you liked Bo, Randy, you should read the book. It's really, it's really, really good. It's a fast oh. read. Um, he was, he was uh, like him and Wade Boggs were my first two. Like they were the first athletes. I knew who they were as a, like a, a young child. Yeah. The first A's game I ever went to, uh, 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 I'm sorry, not Wade Boggs, uh, Carney Lansford is who I was thinking. Of. I was going to say Wade uh, Boggs. That's an yeah, odd yeah, one for yeah, you. No, no, no. Yeah. Yeah. Carney Lansford hit a grand slam. My first, uh, A's game I ever went to live oh, wow. as, as a child. I'm pretty sure he hit two in his career or something like yeah. that. But like, I was there for it. You were the yeah, one there. I was an eight year old there for, for, for one of them. Uh, yeah. The, uh, my dad was a big, uh, Jackson fan. Yeah. Anyway, I got us off topic, but that's, that's a great book. If, uh, if anyone's interested, um, and I just like Jeff Perlman. Uh, I'm I'm reading his uh, his his book about the USFL uh, now because the USFL. I mean, you, when you start talking about Bo Jackson, you can't talk about Bo Jackson without talking about Herschel Walker. And then if you're going to talk about Herschel Walker, you're talking about the USFL. So yeah, um, it's uh, that's an interesting. Uh, I'm about halfway through that one too, uh, and that's Good a lot stuff. of fun. Good anyway, stuff. I love get us Jeff back Perlman's on track. Too. Get us back on track, Bear. <laughs> So that was our presidential trivia segment brought to you by United Cigars, featuring La Giana Havana, distributors of Jose Domingo's, Bandolero, Garofalo, the Firecracker, and the highly acclaimed Atabay Byron. And now Alfonso Lyons from Selected Tobacco. Smoke one today and start living united. And if you're following me on Instagram, 20 days of United Cigars is almost up. We'll be firing up some fire. We'll be firing up a firecracker, the cigar. Um on july 4th in just a couple of days so um get up you get your united cigars ready we're gonna have a blast on july 4th so um moving back to uh you know our our topic tonight guys we've been talking about the pairings and everything so how how are you guys how are those uh progressing for you you probably in the what the final third of your cigar here i've been going back and forth so um i'm about 
Actually, I'm about halfway through uh, of the uh, the Don Carlos anniversario 2007. Um, it's lost some of its punch. Uh, as Randy said to me, these aren't really punchy cigars to begin with. Uh, these are more flavor-driven uh, cigars, not a ton of a harrow in there or anything like that. Um, still get some nice notes from it. It's still a fun cigar to smoke. Um, this probably would have been much better about five years ago. Um, but uh, the pairing, that that kind of earthy sweet, I'm still getting that from the cigar. There's a cinnamon characteristic that's popping up. And I don't know if somebody said cinnamon earlier or whatever, if that's, if that's really what's jumping into my mind here. But uh, that synergy between that earthy sweet from the drink and I, I just I think I'm just more uh, susceptible. Is that the right term of that to that flavor or more like cognizant of that flavor? Um, because I can pick it out whenever there's something that's got um, <clears throat> like that that rum sweetness. I can always pick out that flavor. And I, I feel like I find that in cigars a lot. And I get that same sweetness here, which is to me, Randy, the flavor hook between uh, these two. The intensity is kind of spot on. Uh, neither one is being run over by the other. Uh, I don't know if I would go so far as to say this is a rising tide uh, lifts all boats here, uh, but it is still very enjoyable. I think if this were, um, I think there's a 2017 version of the cigar as well. If I was smoking that one, I'd probably be enjoying it a lot more. Randy? Well, mine is, uh, yeah, mine's a probably six-month-old uh, Don Carlos. I, I buy boxes of these more than I would like to care to admit. Uh, and so th- I, I've got a fresh one. It's bright. It's it, it's sharp. Mine is punchy. Actually, this has a little bit more of a pepperiness than, than I recall um, from the last one I smoked like three days ago. Um, but, uh, but, but, but it's going great as I'm finishing up my uh, second mojito here already. Um, so I'm I'm way ahead of, ahead of the curve on second uh, since the I'm, show started, right? Like that's like your fourth. Yeah, it's cur- that that right. oh second since the show started. Yeah, I was sixteenth uh, overall. I was no, I, I was I was drinking gin and tonics this afternoon. I think I had four gin and tonics and a and an imperial hazy uh, before I came on the show. But yeah, second mojito since the show got it started. So um, as I'm wrapping up with this, and I am down to just a little more than uh, the final third here uh, on mine. I'm inspired though by uh, by uh, what you're smoking um, on uh, there because I, I love what you said that it's so common that we go to the like the creamy coffee um, with the Connecticut as, as a as a morning smoke and Rob and I always talk on our show about how like um, we 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 kind of go a different way and I, and I feel like you know uh, bear chime in let me know how, how you see this but i feel like you know i always say this about brewers brewers drink more pilsner where like beer drinkers drink more ipa uh, yeah. i feel like cigar guys we finish the night lighter uh ra- rather than like you're standard everyday cigar smoker guy might start his day with that Connecticut and finish with the double arrow. Uh, I feel like I kind of work backwards and I start heavier and, and richer and chocolatier. And like my last cigar of the night is often a brulee. Uh, and so, uh, so I, but I like where you're going with the like dark, strong, rich and, and coffee. And I just today I'm doing some market research for work on, uh, on pre-made, uh uh lattes in a can um so i i picked up some uh illy and some columba um uh, uh latte coffees and so i'm gonna go 
grab myself a shot of um of coffee liqueur i'm gonna spike the illy uh, latte coffee that i'm drinking i'm gonna try that with the bishop's blend if i can join you on the uh, on the uh on the uh, uh the dark side james, on the yeah, on the dark side and the james brown uh, uh black label kick nice all right well um kind of wanted to to speaking of the pairings and everything i really enjoyed the i guess the last the the back end stretch of this season of the flavor odyssey which by the way uh you guys can check out uh by you guys being the audience you guys can check out the flavor odyssey uh hosted by these two fine gentlemen uh every every wednesday correct guys uh every wednesday 6 p.m pacific 9 p.m eastern live on the cigar dojo facebook page you can catch us on uh uh, we're live on YouTube as well uh, for the Cigar uh, Cigar Dojo uh, YouTube uh, channel. Fantastic! Do you guys broadcast on Facebook too? Mm-hmm. I usually I usually catch it on the downloads. I I I confess Wednesday nights is usually pretty busy for me, um, and so I usually catch you guys um, catch your shows on 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 podcast. So I download it later mm-hmm. and stuff. So I usually it's usually a good listen for me. And Thursday well, or Friday, thanks for the support. Then. Of yeah, course. we appreciate it. And you, you miss out on all of Randy's outfits, though. Yeah, it is a shame. <laughs> but, but I, get, but I already get all the dresser. I get all the mouthfeel that I can handle, though. There you <laughs> Nice. Uh, well done. But I wanted to talk about a couple of these most recent episodes that I thought that were really interesting with some of these trends and everything. And so you guys explored. This is just, a, I think, four. It might have been all four. Uh, with nothing else, but I, I believe this, this, at least the last few were, were really great. Barber poles, uh, unique wrappers, um, large gauges, and then uh, lighter, lighter wrap cigars with Maduro binders, uh, right. which I thought was really like a, a couple of those were really interesting. Like you hear about trends, uh, the big gauge tends to come up, barber poles tend to come up. I'm smoking the Shaolin, which is, of course, a barber pole, so perfectly up. What, what did you guys find when, um, I guess we'll, we'll, we'll dive into the barber pole one specifically um, and everything. What, what, uh, you know, what, what's your overall impression of the barber pole trend, so to speak? Are you a fan? Are you indifferent? Are you a naysayer? Uh, what, guys, what, what, go feel free to chime in here. Uh, okay. Randy pointed at me, so I'll go. Um, <clears throat> it's interesting. And, and we talked about this a bit on the show. Uh, and what did I smoke, Randy? I smoked a, a Roma craft. I think the, the original, craft series oh that's right yeah. um, yep. like yep. that, the i don't know what you call that vitola like a trumpet shape or whatever yeah, uh, I don't remember the name of that beggar's banquet cocktail too is what you paired it with right so. that, that's that's a fun drink too i i that's one that we've uh we've gone randy has brought that one back up a couple of times it's a uh it's a beer-based cocktail which we don't uh, I, I don't normally um uh get down with but the beggar's banquet and Randy, if you could look up that recipe, because I can't think of what it is off the top of my head. You're better at remembering that stuff than I am. But uh, that that's it. Yeah. Yeah. <laughs> yeah. So tell everybody what it is. What's the Beggar's Banquet? Uh, so, so it's a, a bourbon uh, cocktail with um, maple syrup. Maple syrup. And um, that, that that's the key to it. And then you use a, a Pilsner. We, we often use, a, I, I always assume it was called Banger, Beggar's Banquet because they use Coors Banquet uh as as the beer but yeah bur- bourbon too perfect lemon yeah yeah lemon juice maple syrup and then like six ounces of call it a a, a coors banquet really refreshing it's get you've got that like richness coming not only from the bourbon but also the maple syrup a little bit of brightness from from the lemon and uh it makes for a really nice summer cocktail 
Yeah, that's a good but one. It's, it, it's a it, long it, drink. But anyways, yeah, yeah, but but the the Roman crap that you were smoking, you had the the, the full band uh, of a different rapper. Uh, they're they're uh, about an inch in, into it. Yeah, so it was what it was more of like a double. Yeah, like a more of a double raps, a double wrapper, basically, as opposed to. But but really, when you think about barber poles, they're all kind of like double wrapper cigars, right? Um, my personal opinion on them is. It kind of depends on the origin, and I, I hate to to even say it that way, but it seemed, and we talked about this a little bit, and I'm not going to pick on any specific company, but it seems like you know when we go to the PCA trade show, which is coming up next week, and um, we've been doing this for a while. I've been going. This is probably my tenth tenth one, maybe eleventh. Uh, Bear, you've been doing this for a while too. It seems like whenever there's a new brand that pops up, they always have a bunch of like extravagant barber poles and like to show off these different. Um, I don't know, different rolling abilities and things. And I'm not, I'm not downplaying the rolling ability. I just, I, sometimes it just kind of, it makes, it feels too gimmicky. If it's a, a new brand that's like, or they're pushing all these different barber poles on me and that's all that they have. It just, it, it feels gimmicky. Uh, if it's a, a brand like Romacraft or um, uh, Black Label, like you guys were both talking about when they're, they're using it and maybe they, they've just kind of earned the, 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 I don't want to say earn the right to do it. Cause that sounds like super elitist. That's not what I mean, but it's just like, they've earned the trust of the customer because they've been around for so long. They blend these phenomenal cigars. And when they do something like that, it's just like, Oh wow. These guys are doing something super cool with this blend that I already know that I like. And they're adding these two different wrappers to it. This is going to be a super unique experience. Right. Um, it, It's just, sometimes it feels super, super gimmicky. And sometimes it feels awesome like i'm super excited to try this cigar i i don't feel like there's a lot of middle ground when it comes to to barber poles at least for me it's kind of an extreme reaction and i hate to say it but it all depends on the the uh, the band that's on the on that particular cigar well what i like about roma craft and and uh oveja negra um you know the parent company for black label mm-hmm. and black works and stuff that and you guys all smoked it so like jordan i think had uh the snr from black works uh i think eric was smoking the black irish you know uh mm-hmm. he did the roman craft series and then um and then uh brandy did the neon tiger um and i thought that what was what it's really interesting you, to your point robin i was going to bring this up so you it's like you're reading my mind is what i really like about those two manufacturers when it comes to these types of cigars i i i really understand where you're coming from because to me the barber pole is uh it's a dangerous thing it can be really fantastic um or it can right. just be super just super gimmick and i hate gimmicks um i hate <laughs> i absolutely hate them so um and but specifically those two brands what they've done is skip and mike have done this thing where they the barber poles that they make are rare you know they're limited you know they're they're seasonal releases you know like the black iris the saber tooth etc things like that um or in the case of the craft series it's a it's a yearly annual release that's different every time so it's they make it very they make it special you know they're like hey like you said um it's it's something that they want to showcase their talents and not just blending, but also in, um, in rolling. And James specifically has, I, and I, the Oveja Negra fans out there can let me know if I'm completely off base with this, but he specifically does all of those kind of fun, pro, what he would call fun projects under black works. Um, mm-hmm. And so right. black label really doesn't have any of those. Um, 
uh, Amelia doesn't have any of those. Dissident uh, is owned by different people, so uh, they have a little mixture of it. But for as far as him specifically, he puts all that stuff under Black Works. So I think it really works for those two companies specifically. Whereas you have, you know, um, love love Kurt Kendall, you know, seven twenty four brand, and I actually like the cigar brand, the Hustler. Um, but like it's it's part of just his general portfolio, so it's kind of lumped in, you know. Right. And so it's it. You know, I think that's why people are probably overly cautious when they they look at 724 or something like that. Is they're like, oh, here are the normal 724s, and then here, you know, Kerr decided to, you know, get cute or something, which isn't the case. It's actually a great cigar, but, um, and um, but I I think that's a that's a pretty valid point. Um, the uh, I was uh, I don't know. I'm not a big gauge smoker. Um, I, I do like the occasional big gauge cigar. There are a few brands that I really kind of gravitate towards um, with it. I uh, was pretty, pretty impressed that you guys really kind of went after that. Um, and, uh, and so how did, uh, I mean, are either of you big gauge smokers or do you guys kind of steer away from them toward them or indifferent towards them? Like Randy, where, where do you kind of stand on the big gauge and your normal, smoking habit. yeah no uh, yeah for, for for me i consider you know a perdomo toro at 54 a pretty sick and heavy cigar uh typically uh i i would say the the one um uh real um uh, exception that i make is i i'm a big fan of the solomon uh vitola and so the, there are a handful of, of solomons the um alma fuerte Solomon specifically the uh the Perdomo uh double-aged uh uh Solomons I'm I'm a big big fan of those cigars and and those uh, I think are as as thick as uh 64 at their at their widest point um so so for me uh, specifically you know one of the reasons I like Solomon so much and and you know if I can just chime in just two seconds on the on the barber pole thing when it is a gimmick you know I have no interest in that. That doesn't drive my my purchasing habits. But saying Solomon and saying uh, Barber Pole, if it's a way that they can incorporate um, a transition, if they can incorporate a, an added layer of complexity by by throwing you know an extra binder or an extra wrapper in there and saying you know saber tooth is a great example where you know it's it's literally one additional um, leaf of tobacco that isn't in the regular version. Uh, j- just to add a little bit of a variance flavor wise, I'm all about it. You know, if you're, if you're actually, you know, accomplishing something to, to give a different flavor, uh, um, I'm, I'm, I'm there for it. And for, for those Solomons where, where they start out so fat and, and narrow down, I feel like it drives more, um, more, uh, more transition to where like you're, you're puffing along, you're puffing along, you're getting familiar with the flavor and then it changes I'm there for that. Like, like, like keep me engaged. You know, I've got ADHD. I've, I've got a two and a half hour long smoke going here. Like, like keep bringing me back to the cigar and making me stop talking for a minute to enjoy the experience. I'm, I'm here for it. As far as like just a, a big ring gauge, I've, I've mostly been disappointed in the couple, uh, you know, you know, bigger ones that I've had is I feel like people, uh, a lot of manufacturers blend, 
um, more towards the mean, more towards like a lower intensity because there's so much tobacco. And so I, I feel like they're like they're souping it up with a bunch of secco leaves that don't you know, contribute a, a, a ton of complexity and, and a ton to it. Um, I missed the large ring gauge um, episode due to work uh, on yeah. this last segment. I had lined up the um, the Placencia um almost like a colorado six to yeah yeah yeah. those those actually for me both the alma fuerte and and the colorado uh version those are exceptional cigars in my opinion and for me like yeah those those are great vitolas in those blends i haven't had a lot of other um large ring gauge i won't name anyone by by name but like they've been middle of the road you know in intensity and in flavor delivery in, in my opinion so they, they really haven't like um been something that i've been totally driven to and then again you know when when i first started getting into cigars and learning about the different vitolas you know uh you know a couple of the the people that i was reading at the time I'd say, you know, yes, there can be some variances. Yes, you're going to get a difference between the the Lonsdale, the Rebuso, and the Toro in the same blend. Um, but for, for you know, we do this as a luxury hobby, uh, and so like feeling comfortable with the length of time that you're smoking, feeling comfortable with it in your fingers, feeling comfortable with it in your mouth, like like to me are are kind of the more crucial points of choosing your Vitola. Um, I, I am partial to Lonsdale's for whatever reason. I do feel like that that's usually a pretty good delivery vehicle of, of a Vitola in general. But uh, but yeah, the large, large ring gauge is uh, overall for me, it never really delivered like that intensity and that robust flavor, uh, you know, that I'm looking for, for the most part. I thought you had an interesting Perry, uh, Rob. You went with the Nub Double Maduro, uh, which is you know a short, fat cigar. Uh, and you went with the you went with the mint julep. We were talking about mint juleps a minute ago. So like, how did that how did that work out for you? Yeah, it's it's funny uh, when we talked about the show. Um, we initially talked about uh, the the larger ring gauge because, I mean, when we talked about trends. And we did this in the um, on the beverage side as well. Uh, it's not always about what's we, we did beer trends. Actually, it was specifically on beer. It's not always about what's new uh, because mm-hmm. sometimes what's old can become what's new, right? Uh, like the the not the rebirth of Connecticut's over the last handful of years, but you know the, these the styles that are they can go out of fashion and then come back into fashion. And they become a trend, uh, like the the '90s nowadays, or it's everybody's wearing neon and uh, bongo jeans and uh, it's it's where it's like I'm back in high school again it's weird but um, to me when I think of uh, 60 ring gauge the one that, that started it all for me was the nub I mean that was that the, the whole idea behind that cigar was and I think this was even their marketing plo- not ploy that's not a right term even this was their marketing behind it was strategy strategy <laughs> thank you uh, their you work we're condensing the cigar into this yeah. this uh, you know four inches by 60 and we're getting rid of the beginning and the end which aren't that great we're just going to focus on the the middle of the cigar so you're you're just getting the best part of the cigar is uh, i think kind of the way that they put it um and so i always thought of nub as the the uh kind of the impetus behind this larger ring gauge and i, I don't know if they were the first but that's the one that sticks out in my mind and the nub double maduro was always one that i liked um, I remember the, um, the, the nub Cameroon being pretty good too, back in the day. Um, 
was. But uh, I I thought of the nub double Maduro as just chocolate on chocolate on chocolate to me. That's the way that I remember that cigar. And I wanted to go with something that was going to pair well with that. And, and mint goes really, really well with chocolate. So I was going for kind of like a peppermint patty uh, type situation. I think the nub that I had was past its prime. It was, you, you'll find that some of the cigars in my humidor just can be eight, nine, 10, 11 years old uh, because they just kind of end up being that old. I don't know why it just happens, but uh, the, the cigar had lost some of its punch by then, but it still had, it still delivered some of that chocolate. It wasn't quite as heavy uh, as I remember it being, but uh, there was some chocolate there, but paired really nicely with the bourbon, of course, uh, in the, um, in the mint julep, but the, uh, the mint as well, um, giving me that a little bit of that peppermint patty type of situation or thin mint, uh, you know, if you want to go with your Girl Scout cookies, um, the, and actually if you go with it, the thin, uh, uh, Oreos with mint, the thin mint Oreos, they've got just a little bit of, not a whole lot of the, the stuff in the middle and it's mint flavor. That's delicious. But um, anyway, that's what I was going for with that pairing. It worked out pretty well. It probably would have worked out better if I was smoking a newer uh, version of the cigar. The one that I had was pretty old. Um, but to Randy's point about just 60 ring gauges in general, it's funny, man. We, I like to say that we, when, whenever like the, audi the audience for your show and for our shows and the folks that we spend our time with, we're like the 1% of cigar smokers. And that, not saying that makes us better uh, than anybody, but it's like we're focused on like the, the, like the top of the, the latest stuff, like what's new, what's new. If the cigar is six months old, it's old already. Yeah. Like, I've already had that. I want something new. It's like we work um, in the, it's like we work in the tech industry, you know, like, <laughs> yeah, right. Right. And frankly, we're kind of insufferable. It's, it's just, we always want something that's new. And if, if, if it's old, then it's old, it's passe. I'm not really interested in that. Um, but so I don't think the folks who really watch our shows or watch your show are really smoking those 60 ring gauges. At least nobody says they are, but mm. somebody's lying because there's people are buying these cigars. Everybody's making 60 yeah. ring gauges. Um, there's a couple like the one that sticks out in my mind that I think is one of the best delivery sizes of that particular blend is the Undercrown Shade, uh, the six by 60. I think that that uh, delivers really nice flavor. Somebody on the show, one of the I think um, I can't remember one of the, the studio audience in the show smoked that cigar. And I thought, damn, that would have been a good one to smoke because that's a really good cigar in that size. I think that might be the best uh, expression of that particular cigar in that size. Um, mm. But it's just, it's a comfort level thing for me. Um, I feel like it's just, I, I, I don't, I, I don't like holding it. It's too big. I just, I don't like it. It doesn't sit well when I'm smoking it. Um, I feel like the, the flavors tend to get muddled. Um, I like, like Randy says, I'm a, I've been a, a Lonsdale uh, smoker for forever in a day. Um, if, uh, if you're making a cigar and you have it in Lonsdale, that's the size I want to try. Um, although the Toro probably is the best size to try. Cause I imagine most people blend to the Toro and then tweak from there, but, um, <clears throat> I'm not a blender, so I don't really know, but, uh, yeah, the, that, that, that larger size, it just doesn't really sit with me. And I think that was part of the reason that we wanted to do it, take ourselves out of our comfort zone. Um, oh. and, uh, you know, maybe push the audience a little bit cause we have a kind of a core following on the show. And we, we, I think Randy, we call them the, uh, the, the oddballs, the Odyssey oddballs. Um, which is a, we just came up with that name last, like kind of like a highball as a cocktail. So they're the, there oddballs. You go. um, but, uh, it, it's, it's great because they all chime in with their pairings and they're, you know, they're, they're really honest about, you know, the, the flavors that they're experiencing and whether it's a thumbs up or a thumbs down, that's the way we kind of judge the, the pairings on our show. And, um, that was one of the reasons that we did that was just kind of take ourselves out of our comfort zone, 
obviously Absolutely. people are buying these things. Like I, I think they just announced uh, another one, like the another lunatic that's even bigger than oh the previous God. lunatic. Ten by one hundred. Yeah, like so it's it, it still is it still is a trend. I mean, we we've talked about it since they first came out. It's like oh, it, it's a fad. Like IPAs, yeah. everybody said, "Oh, IPAs are a fad." No, they're everywhere now, and now you got double, triple, quadruple or, IPAs, or or, or a gimmick at at that. And, and yeah. that, that's one of the things. And Terrence Riley's really, really like um, informed me how well their Lunatic Eight by Eighty sells, and how he's talked to consumers that that jump on an Eight by Eighty on the daily, uh, and. I, I don't get how long it. does it take to smoke an eight by eighty? That's a that's a two and a half hour cigar, at least, right? You, oh, you minimum. Think? Well, the uh, yeah. the the La Florida Minicana Digger, which I forgot the length of it. It's a but it's a it's a sixty gauge cigar, or the the seventy gauge uh, El Granu that they had. Both of those took me a long ass time. I remember I almost did an entire round of golf with the Digger once. And that's the place that I can see them. That's the one spot that I can see them working is or or if you, like or i think i mentioned this during the show you're barbecuing you know you're out the grill and you got people coming over and you want to have a cigar but you're not too focused on it you don't really have to futz with it too much it's going to stay lit and you're you're going to be pretty good for the the time that you're you're grilling unless you're majority you're of the doing, afternoon yeah yeah unless you're making yeah. a brisket or something that's a different set of scenarios yeah. there because then we got to focus randy we got to focus on the brisket we that's don't right. that's not a background situation that's we're that's fully, that's fully involved. That's fully involved. Yeah. yeah. And, and Randy, if you're looking, you ain't cooking. You know what I mean? I, I think that's my problem with the 60 gauge. If I'm being honest, like I know my, my partner Coop loves them. He loves big gauge cigars and uh, I'm more of the Lancero guy myself too. But I think mm -hmm. that's why I have a problem with the 60 gauge. I don't mind smoking bigger gauge cigars. There are some I really enjoy. Uh, Rob, I know you're a big Tatuahe fan. The surrogates animal cracker is probably oh, one of my all time man. favorites. Oh, that's a good one. Yeah. Yeah. Uh, the La Florida Minicana DL 700 Maduro, uh, one of my all time favorites. Um, I absolutely, um, will absolutely smoke a larger gay cigar, but to your point, Rob, I think that's my problem with it, is that a lot of them it's, it's kind of my, my opinion towards torpedoes back in the day is people just kind of mailed it in. Cause it was really popular. Torpedoes were the trend mm -hmm. when I first got into smoking, you know, when I was like 18 years old and, and everyone was doing it. I was like, God, this, this is terrible. I don't like, I don't like the way these smoke and everything. <laughs> uh, but now like, like I'll smoke a torpedo or perfecto or, or figure or something like that. And, and there's some people that do it really well, but, um, but yeah, I think the, the six, the 60 gauge, the bigger gauge, a lot of ones kind of, it's just kind of the mail, the blend is kind of mailed in. It's kind of, you know, the flavors are really muddled, like you said, and it just doesn't work. You know, I'd rather smoke that blend, even if I'm, it's not even a problem with the blend, but I'd rather smoke it smaller. And yeah, I, I feel know, like I, I feel like sorry, sorry, Randy. I feel like yeah. some uh, blenders, and I, I won't speak for anybody because I'm not the guy making the cigars, but I feel like some some places, some some brands, they blend to a sixty, and like when they make that cigar, they blend yeah, specifically. Korea does that, yeah, and they do it, and they do it well, and those are good cigars. I feel like some companies have a cigar that they really like and they're like, Oh shit, we better make a 60. And, right. and, and it, and it tastes that way. It tastes like an afterthought. Yeah. Um, which is, and I don't, it's not fair to label all of them that way. Uh, and I'm not going to name any specific ones, but, um, but like I said, with the, the, um, the undercrown shade that comes out in like 
that's like 18 sizes in that cigar. I mean, you can get it in any size that you want. Any size of cigars ever been made, you can get the underground shade. And it's a really good cigar, but that 60 sure. is really good. Like, yeah. I feel like that was, and I'm not saying that, I'm not picking on anybody specific, but it's just, sometimes it feels like, oh crap, we better make a 60 because marketing says we need to have one. Mm -hmm. all i'm gonna do is mirror what, what, what rob just said but i love that you brought up animal crackers uh i mm -hmm. I, I wish mm -hmm. i had thought to mention that earlier that one. that was probably the first big ring gauge cigar that i was like wow yeah. it, i mean I, I i regularly uh go to that cigar i i share i i gave one yesterday during a round of golf to a friend because he's a big tatuaje fan and uh and i wanted him to try that because I think so highly of it. And I, I couldn't agree more, more with Rob. Like, like, uh, you know, it, it comes down to, did you try to make the best 60 you possibly could, or did you try and take the the blend that you actually originally blended towards uh Robusto or a Toro and realize, Hey, we better like come up with a, a strategy to make a, a big ring gauge version of it. Uh, and, and those just, don't hit the spot the same way that like someone goes into like i love the circuits line right like every vitola has its own like name and owns kind of sub brand within it right like, like that's what animal crackers is like well this is our this is our big flavorful son of a gun and and they knocked it out of the park i think you know those placencias that i mentioned those, those alma fuertes are almost an exception of just like holy shit like they blended the the crap out of this for every Batola yeah. that they made it really hits. It's it's hard to find a line of cigars where where every Batola can impress at the same level as whichever your preference is. Yeah. Um so so yeah, I that that animal animal crackers is fire, man. Well, that to your point about that, one of my um I thought this was interesting conversation because i think one of my favorite like most underrated 60 gauge cigars is the san cristobal revelation uh six by 60 which they call the odyssey so there's a there's a well, that would have been a good hold one on i gotta make a note wait, wait, where'd my pen go wait, wait, the san cristobal <laughs> yeah randy write that down so san yeah, cristobal is a brand they, they have a they have a line called revelation so they have several sizes in that the profits like the robusta which is is my which is probably the, my go-to but it absolutely just crushes in the 60 by six, which they call the Odyssey. It's a great name for a big cigar like that. Yeah, Chris Wall Revelation. And, and, but, you're, but you're setting up the expectation Odyssey. that as I'm smoking through the cigar, you're going to take me through. Like I'm, I'm going a on, journey. A, I'm going on a journey here. So yeah. it's going to be, I'm not only going to start, like it's my first puff and my 40th puff aren't going to taste the same. They have so a big, you, yeah. You got to back that up. They have a bigger one that's 64 gauge. They call it the Leviathan. Mm. So, but yeah, this it's the 61 that hits. It's the Odyssey for me that I really enjoy. Um, Let's track that down. But, uh, oh. um, but yeah, some, some really great shows. There's all like, I really liked the uh, unique rappers and you guys smoked a bunch of Aladino, uh, the Ecuadorian <laughs> Cameroon uh, that they used um, and uh, the Maduro binders, which you guys were a lot of burlays were being smoked that night. So, some really, really interesting episodes. I thought that some, um, honestly, gentlemen, I, I think it was some of your, um, you know, best work. Um, and just because I think it was, a, it was, it was a deep dive into the cigar, the cigar nerddom where you guys kind of nerd out 
typically on the on on the the pairing side of it you know uh you smoke great cigars but you you kind of nerd out on the pairing which is what i really like about flavor odyssey you guys bring this this whole new different side of it uh with your passion with cigars like you it, the cigar kind of takes the back seat typically in my mind it's not done intentionally though like you guys are cigar nerds and you guys love cigars and i think that's why it works so well because you guys t- you guys bring a nerd level from a different from a di- you know completely different perspective and bring it into it so i really enjoyed it. but i thought this was some of your best work because you guys really drove into the cigar piece but true to form and true to brand you didn't you didn't sleep on the pairing side of it either which i thought was fantastic i i super appreciate hearing you say it like that and and it's interesting because if, if you're backstage with rob and i as we plan this stuff um we I believe Rob, correct me if I'm wrong. I believe that we both are, are of the thinking that the best pairings that we do on the show elevate the cigar and the cigar is kind of the centerpiece of what we do. I feel like maybe we, we speak more to the libation element of the pairing, because I think we have an assumption that a lot of our audience is very familiar with the cigar and they need less kind of uh you know explanation and, and conversation behind the cigar where we're like, trying to talk about that thing that you already know about we want to bring you know we've, we both work in the alcoholic beverage industry um and so we, we feel like we do have a little more expertise to bring to the table um from that libation side and say hey how how this cocktail or this wine or this beer can really amplify that experience that you're already having with these cigars so uh it, it's it, i i i super appreciate you hearing hearing you say that but to your point on this last segment that cigar trends was the theme of the the segment um we really did um have our drinks be that that kind of secondary uh element where we really wanted to talk about what that flavor uh, uh was and and you know hearing you say it we probably should have worked harder to have more variants in what we were smoking a lot of times rob and i like to smoke uh, or drink the same thing because it is a competitive show that like it's him versus me and so the audience uh does vote on on, on who paired it best um but but this was re- really uh for me you know and obviously you know uh rob has mentioned it you know you both have been in the industry far longer than i have and so for me it, i am still very much I would say in my experimental and, and learning uh, process as, as a cigar smoker and as a cigar professional, whatever, whatever it is you want to say. Um, and so for me, like I really pay a lot of attention to um, these, these nuances within the cigar industry that, uh, that I haven't necessarily totally fleshed out my own thoughts on, you know, experimented a ton flavor wise. You know, I, I think I've smoked, you know, I think I've smoked two cigars in my life with Candela, uh, and they're both barber poles. Uh, I I don't think I'll be you know trying to change that anytime soon. Um, but 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 the whole uh, you know you know the 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 most recent episode where we did the um, the foreign origins or or, or the far from terroir um, where where you're smoking a Corojo grown somewhere that's much less known about where you're smoking uh, a, a broadleaf that's that that we don't talk as Gro- much about grown in Honduras yeah. yeah Jordan had the double right. broadleaf yeah. Right, exactly, and I, and of course, I found that cigar for you, Rob, the day after the show. Uh, but, uh, but 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 you know, re- re- really like understanding what flavors are coming from that varietal, like uh, genetic composi- composition of the varietal of tobacco versus what's coming from the 
the soil in Connecticut, you know, that's driving a lot of that earthiness from the broadleaf. Like, like I felt like we, what we found was broadleaf stays earthy regardless. Um, but, but, uh, but, you know, taking it to Nicaragua changes it significantly. You know, one of the ones that, that I had intended to smoke was the uh, Casa Favilli, um uh, Nicaraguan broadleaf, where I felt like it, it does not have that same level of of earthiness that the Honduran and the Connecticut, um, you, you know, terroir adds to, or, or allows to come out and express itself in the varietal. So, uh, re really interesting, you know. And again, we call it an odyssey because, uh, you know, Rob has done this a lot longer than I have, as I said. But um, we both, I, th I think, consider ourselves as, as students of, of this. We, we're both interested in in, in what. Um, what cigar blenders are going to bring to the table next. And we're excited about, you know, uh, nuances and, and new flavors and, and differences that, that might be out there with uh, working with some of the same components that, that we've had available to us for, you know, tens and tens and, uh, of years so far, um, but, but can still give a little bit of a new, you know, look to and flavor to in general. Yeah. Yeah, you, Randy, you you uh, you kind of crushed that. I, I do want to thank Bear for uh, for uh, the kudos. I think that was this was we came up with this idea for beer because it, like Randy, both both Randy and I have a, a, a background in beer. Yours in that case, Randy's background is much uh, more in depth than mine. Uh, but I think that's one of the reasons that I feel like our show is successful is we have different strengths, um, and we've we've both uh, got a, a a lot of experience in a bunch of different things. So it's, it, it does make it fun, but. Uh, digging into some of these trends, I think was was definitely a lot of fun. Um, but to me, it, it's funny because Eric um, is uh, Eric uh, Gatormson with the Cigar Dojo. Uh, he kind of he he peppers Randy and I with questions sometimes, which is fun. Uh, I mean, I, I Randy and I are the hosts of the show, and Eric and Jordan are, are, are you know along for the ride. But uh, Eric will chime in with some some questions here and there, and he always he's always good to ask when we get to the end of a segment. So we do our show in four episode segments and we usually alternate between what we're, what the common uh, thread will be. So uh, this one was a little bit unique because we were smoking. Uh, we were focusing on trends. So we weren't necessarily all smoking the same thing, but usually we'll focus on a particular cigar for whatever reason. And Randy and I are smoking the same thing and we'll pick different, uh, uh, different beverages to pair with it. Or we're focusing on the same, cocktail for example and trying to find the best cigar to pair with it so we'll always have one constant although these episodes were a little bit different um but focusing on the uh or getting to the end of that segment eric asked both randy and i like what do you what do you think you learned from this because you know we are always trying to to learn from what we're doing and yeah a, a lot of the times it's a competition show and we do that randy and i both want to win so we, we tend to give all, both of our pairings or a thumbs up and we plan it that way because I want to, I want to beat him. He wants to beat me and it's fun. It's kind of like a chopped show kind of situation, that kind of thing. Um, but with this, it was a little bit different. And then at the end, you know, Eric says, you know, what do you feel like you learned the most? And to me, I felt like the one, the one aspect of all these different shows is that last one that we did. It's, you know, far from terroirs taking these, these uh, uh, leaves that we know, these wrapper leaves that we know and growing them in different regions and finding new flavors and, and new, uh, new ways to express that particular tobacco. And to me, that feels like that's the future of the industry is, I mean, how do we, how do we continue to innovate um, 
and come up with with new things uh, unless we're willing to take those chances. And 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 I say we. I'm talking about the farmers who are they're dedicating their this land that is you know precious and this growing season, which is even more precious, to a particular like. Hey, let's try this. That takes a lot of guts to to say. Hey, let's let's take a, a Connecticut broadleaf seed or broadleaf seed and let's grow it in Jalapa. See what happens. Um, I mean, for us, from where we're sitting, it's really cool to say, yeah, I'd love to see what happens, but they're putting their money where their mouth is. And if it doesn't work, that's a lost season and not a lot of places yeah. can afford that. So um, it's oh. easy for me to say that I feel like that's the future of the industry because that's what gets me excited as a consumer. Um, like, yeah, you, you grew, uh, you grew a San Andreas wrapper in, I don't know, Ecuador Brazil. or something. Yeah. yeah. In Brazil. Yeah. <laughs> yeah. That was one of the ones that was one of the questions at the end. Like what were some that you would love to see? Like you, you had the guts to do that and then, and then, and then wrap a cigar with it. Like I would love to experience that. Um, so that was really exciting. It was a lot of fun to, uh, to talk about that. That was probably my favorite episode of the, of the segment. Um, but, um, anyway, it was, that was, that one was really a lot of fun to just kind of nerd out on those different things. And the, the segment before when we were talking about beer, I mean, that's equally fun for, for Randy and I to, to kind of nerd out on some of these different styles. And one of the styles that we talked about was just American stout, which is, I mean, that's not new. There's nothing new about American stout, but we're kind of in the, in the beer industry, we call it like hop fatigue, right? Everybody wants to, there's so much hops, 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 everything, everything, you know, all these triple IPAs and all this, but let's bring it back. And there's, you know, beer drinkers are thirsty uh, for something that's a little bit different. I was going to say hungry. That didn't work there. They're thirsty for something that's a little bit different um, and to, uh, to change things up on their palate. So there's, it's nice to see a, a lot of breweries and I'm getting off topic here, but it is fun to see a little, see breweries coming up with, you know, we're going to, we're going to go back to our roots. We're going to make a stout. We're going to make, um, you know, a Belgian blonde or, uh, you know, some, some different styles that are, are classic, but make them trendy again. So it, it's just fun to see the cyclical nature of it. Um, and it's, it, that's in cigars, that's in wine, that's in, uh, beer, it's in all these different industries. So it is, it is fun to, uh, to dig through all that stuff. You know, it's, it, it, this is a perfect time to transition to our, our charity segment. Cause you talk about how, uh, you know, certain things have a reputation for themselves. So like when you branch out, like you guys did, you, you found some of the things like particularly, I, I, I really, I think it's real. I, I mean, I wouldn't say like, it's an absolute, but I, I would say that a lot of people who really enjoy what you guys have been smoking tonight, like the Don Carlos Cameroon, right. Fuente Cameroon those products and then they simultaneously can enjoy the Aladino Cameroon which is Cameroon that's not grown in the same country by the way uh it's not even close um and they still they still really enjoy it it I think is something that's you know one I think it's a it's a it's a credit to to both those manufacturers uh for being able to you know pull the very best out of those wrappers you know um, but two, I think it's, it's, it's all about misconceptions sometimes too. Like, you know, Randy, you know, Randy and the Candela thing, you know, you know, I think it, you know, the green Hornet's a great example of this on black works and stuff. You know, a lot of people gave James shit because, uh, you know, the little bit of Candela that he has on the tip of the cigar, he would talk about how you can, you can get the notes of it and, and it goes with it. Cause that's a very bold blend. Uh, and that grassy element on just the tip of the 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 on the on the uh, the head of the cigar is, I think, is a great counterbalance. We're talking about contrasting flavors and stuff, mm. but a lot of people won't touch candela, right? Man, it's the it's that it's that 
reputation, like you said. I mean, Randy at least tries it because I think he tries everything. But like it, um, it, it's one of those things about misconceptions. Which Randy, I'll, I'll pivot to you on this. This is our or this is our charity segment. We do this every week where we feature nonprofits and charities uh, that are spotlighted by our guests, and I had you guys pick one a piece. And uh, uh, you went with Bad Rap, uh, which is a fantastic organization. Uh, and so I'll, I thought I'd give you the floor to talk about it, and uh, I'll post it in the chat while we're while we're while we're chatting. Yeah, well, well, let me start by by giving you credit that uh, that you have this philanthropic uh, element in your show, and that that you challenge your guests to uh, to pick a nonprofit in general, uh, because nonprofits in in our country do so much for um, for important uh, things that are going on, and 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 again, you know, this is one uh, that I chose that isn't necessarily important to everybody. I know plenty of people that have no interest in and in hearing how how loving my pit bulls are with my three-year-old. Um, but uh, uh, I, I've had an opportunity through my career, um, you know, working in the beer industry um, for for a festival to take place uh, the way that we're used to them taking place. They prime almost always, 97% of the time, need to be connected to uh, a 501c3 nonprofit organization to be able to host festivals. And so uh, I had an opportunity to work for, with a handful and uh, a few years back, uh, working with the Brewing Network to hold host our uh, our our Winterfest uh, event, we partnered with Bad Rap, um, and and this is a you know ten year old uh, a festival that I've I've been part of, and at the time uh, they had gained national notoriety because of the Mike Vick situation and and dog fighting, and this organization took most of those dogs that had been um, abused had been. Uh, you know, raised with, um, you know, the wrong intentions in their life, and they were able to rehabilitate them and get them back to uh, a place where they could be good pets, good, you know, friends uh, to, to you know, mankind again and find loving homes for them. And so uh, Bad Rap uh, Kennels works with um, with problematic pit bulls they they work with uh, they create education for people that believe that pit bulls are, are by nature, um, you know, uh, a, a a violent or aggressive animal. Um, my, I myself uh, have you know owned five pit bulls in my life, and uh, every one of them have been the the softest, caring, you know, most lo lo loving dogs. As much as every Labrador I've ever owned in my life, as well. So, uh, uh, yeah, uh, Bad Rap does great work educating people uh, about the breed and uh, and caring for, for them and making sure that the ones that have gone a little bit wayward have a place to come back and be rehabilitated and find uh, people that know how to, you know, work with dogs and um, have some patience. Uh, so, so yeah, thank you for, for again, for, um, you know, focusing on, on your guests, uh, you know, what, what matters to them. Like I said, you know, I, I understand not everybody uh, has a, a big heart place in their heart for pit bulls the way I do, but uh, I, I can tell you, you know, the, the way mine, you know, laid his paw on my newborn son and, and I knew he wanted to protect him more, more than anything, uh, you know, means a lot to me. So I uh, appreciate it. That's awesome, Randy. I, 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 I agree with your sentiment, man. I think that, you know, um, dogs in general, um, but yeah, particularly pit bulls have this uh, reputation that's that they can be, you know, they can be trained or or bred to be, you know, mean and and uh, 
violent even and stuff like that and it's it all boils down to the people you know it's it's not yeah, just 100%. it's not it's not just nature it is nurture and um you know my my dog is by my feet she always is every show um and uh you know she follows me everywhere and uh, uh i'm really proud of her actually because with all the fireworks going off usually she's uh on during shows when the fireworks are going off she's actually by the door but now she's she's back where she wants to be on her on her bed that sits next to me when i do these shows so it's um um you know it's a great organization uh i i would love the choice and everything um and i love that you uh aren't just uh advocating for it but you're also kind of you know uh you know an ambassador and a believer in it too which is which is terrific and uh um and that kind of pivots great over to to rob's i think uh rob this is a this is a fantastic organization so that you chose which is the uh the casa of 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 um Contra Costa, I was going to invert those words. I knew I was going to do it. Costa of uh, Contra Costa County, um, which is a wonderful organization that uh, that works with, that also works with orphans, just of the human kind rather than the dog kind. So, uh, um, this you know this the system, quote you know, I'm using little quote fingers for people who are listening later. The system, you know, where you know the foster care system that we have in this country is 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 incredibly flawed and uh and it's organizations like this one robin i think this is why you chose it that just they breathe new life into it and uh, and really kind of really kind of take up the cause a little bit more and and then are able to do some really great things so talk about why you why you selected this and a little bit more about it and uh i know i didn't do it justice in that brief description so no that was that was great uh casa is i think they're nationwide um but the 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 one specifically that I was focused on is Contra Costa County. That's the county that I live in, um, and CASA stands for Court Court Appointed uh, Special Advocates, and the idea is that it's um, you know it's people like I, I'm I'm in the process and I have been God for over a year uh, in the process of training to become uh, a CASA myself. Um, <clears throat> it's interesting because it's you know I, I'm I'm it's a, a high priority for me. Uh, but the the training process is pretty stringent. Like it's it's pretty tough, and it and it should be because you you're you're being given uh, access to these children that need um, they need a, a positive influence in their life uh, and someone to to kind of stand up for them, so to speak, to be an advocate for them. And uh, basically, it's you know you're working with uh, children as you said that are in the system, uh, foster uh, children. And, you know, there's for every, uh, you know, triumphant story of a foster child that was, you know, taken in and the family, you know, adopts them and, and everything is great. You know, there's, a, you know, a thousand stories that are the, the exact opposite, uh, unfortunately. And, um, you know, being uh, the, the job of someone that's, that's, that is a CASA, that is a, a special, a court appointed special advocate for these children is you, you basically, you, you, you have one child that you work with, uh, you spend some time with them, you know, just doing, taking them. You get to do the fun stuff. You take them to the movies, to the park, uh, to the beach, and you hang out with them and and you talk to them about just life and what's what's going on and, uh, you know, helping them kind of cope with some of the things that they're going through. Um, but it's also, I mean, the, the cost, it's, it's a pretty, it's a pretty big deal. I mean, you're, you're going to, uh, court appointments and, and you're observing the way that, uh, that they're, 
that their uh, foster family is treating them. And if they need something, I mean, it's, you're kind of, I don't want to say their mouthpiece, it's not the right term, but uh, you're their, you're their champion to say, Hey, you know, um, maybe they need a little more of this or, you know, or, Hey, this family's great. And they're, you know, they're treating them, you know, that they're getting awesome treatment, you know, that kind of thing. Um, but uh, I, I just think it's, it's one of those things I hadn't really thought of it uh, really before. I didn't know much about it, but my wife had set up, um, they do a, a, an intro meeting. They do these like once a month and because they're always trying to find, you know, new people to uh, uh, new CASA members. And I sat in on the meeting and it was a virtual thing and they're talking about the program and, um, and I'm, I'm watching it and I'm listening to, to what they're saying and listening to some of these people. And um, the, the thing that really got me uh, and I, it was emotional, really, I, I hadn't even anticipated this, but um, they were saying that if, if you do decide to become a CASA, uh, if you're a woman, uh, you get to choose. You can choose if you want to have a boy uh, or a girl that you're working with. Uh, but if you're a man, uh, then you have to work with a boy. And it's not for like nefarious reasons, not for negative reasons. It's because most of these boys don't have a positive male influence in their life. Yes. And that to me was something that's like, wow, like that was when I really felt like this is something that I need to do. And, uh, and I'm still in the process of of doing it. And it's not something that you take on lightly. Uh, I mean, you are with the ideas, they pair you with this child and you're with them until they, you know, find their forever home. You know, maybe they get adopted by the, uh, the, the foster family that they're with, or they get uh, rehomed with their original parents, which is always the goal. Um, but you're, you're there with them, you know, through that whole journey. And uh, you work with one, ch one child at a time. Um, it's not something where you've got, you know, five or six different kids that you're working with. I mean, you're that person's, Casa and some of the stats, and I don't know them off the top of my head, but um, they were pretty impressive when it comes to just high school graduation, the high school graduation rate of a, of a child that was in in the foster system compared to one that has a casa was like, I don't know, 30 percent to like 90 percent. I could be making those numbers up. Don't take don't take uh, take that for for fact. You can check out their website. But um, the numbers were, were pretty staggering. Just having that uh, that positive influence. And it's somebody that you hang out with them a couple of times a week and. Um, and I mean, really that's, that's what you're doing. You're hanging out with them and you get to know them and they, they, uh, they have just that kind of stable, uh, influence in their life. And they, they do a lot of other things too. And there's ways that you can donate without, you know, becoming a uh, CASA because it's not for everybody. Not everybody has the time to do it for the most part. Um, when I was going through my meetings, my initial meetings, they were surprised that, that I was interested in doing it because I have a full-time job. Usually it's people that are retired because they have more time. Uh, but it's, it's something that I'm, I'm passionate about, um, because man, just to think that, like, I was lucky. I had my dad at home. Um, I mean, it wasn't always roses, but he was there. And um, you know, I mean, it's not to make it about me, but it's if, if there's and my wife and I, we don't have kids, so if there's a way that uh, that I can, you know, be a positive influence in somebody's life, like I would love to do that. Um, so it's it's something that's really close to the heart. Um, and uh, I'm glad that you're uh, you're giving us an opportunity to shine a light on it. That's a beautiful organization, Robin. Uh, good luck with that. Uh, like you said, it's not a, something you've taken lightly, and it's a huge responsibility, and it's also very difficult. So, bravo to you, and and good luck to you at the same time as you uh, kind of work your way through it, and uh, and uh, um, just yeah, bravo, man, fantastic, great, great organizations, guys. Thank you so much for bringing bringing these both to the table tonight. So. Um, you know, um, not to get too cheesy, speaking of dads, dad jokes. So uh, speaking of tables, so 
we're talking on to our next segment, which is uh, always uh, brought to you by uh, Pastania Cigars. Everybody Eats, sponsored by Pastania Cigars. If, <laughs> if you always make sure that your servant's towel is bigger than your appetite, everybody will always get theirs. Uh, Pastania Cigars is more than just great cigars uh, made by cool people. They embody an attitude of gratitude and grit. With Pastania, everybody eats. So, uh, gentlemen, I thought this would be a fun uh, question. There's three variations of the questions in the everybody, everybody Eats segment that I thought that would be really perfect for you two because I know you guys pride yourselves on um, – Randy in particular prides himself on on cooking, but uh, I know you guys like to, you know, uh, to make special things and do things. And uh, so I thought it would uh, – this would be the question that I would ask in this – in for this episode, which is uh, what is the favorite dish – that you like to make or share with other people. Mm. Randy, so you're, you're more of, you're more so you don't of have to make it, but share it, but you can also uh, share it too, Rob. So I've uh, Randy, you might have a lot of things to choose from. I've really only got one. So I'll go first and give you time to, to think about what it is that you want to do. Um, there's, there's not a lot of things that I make really well outside of cocktails. I make a good cocktail, but that's not really what we're talking about here. Um, I, I fell in love with the show Ted Lasso. And uh, if I don't know if you if you guys have watched it, it, I think it's just a fantastic show. It's super heartwarming, um, and I just love it. I've watched the series like three or four times. <clears throat> and uh, if you've watched the show, if you don't, or whatever you may know, um, at the beginning he brings uh, he calls it biscuits with the boss, where he brings his uh, his boss uh, some shortbread cookies. And so I have uh, since for whatever reason since that uh, episode, I've I've decided that I want to learn to make. Um, and I guess we watch a lot of British baking show too, maybe. So that's part of it. But uh, <laughs> uh, baking is tough, man. But I, I'm not a cook. I, my wife can go into the to the cabinet and find five different things. She's like MacGyver and she can make a great meal. I can follow a recipe, but I can't just make it up. So I've been uh, toying around with uh, with uh, shortbread cookies. And I do have some uh, a little bit of a Scottish background. So I always had shortbread around when I was a kid. So it's something that resonates with me there. So that's shortbread, I think, is is uh, is my deal. I'm, I'm still perfecting the recipe, uh, but uh, I've I've made like like the ironically, the first batch that I made was the best. And I haven't been able to, <laughs> to recapture it since. Uh, but that's that's one thing that I like to make and share with people. Nice. Nice. Oh, awesome. all right. Well, well, I'll t- I'll tell you for for sh- sharing, you know, and it's funny, you know, just my personality, you know, I love I love being around people, I love performing, uh, and so like my favorite things to uh, make actually are um, the the types of things that that can be built up into into large, um, you know, for the masses type servings, and so uh, I'm a big chili guy, you know, I start with a now um, I, I should have thought about this, uh, you know, I'm on the show with a, a Texan, I make chili with beans. Uh, so I have to I have to clarify not that. chili, but, but I bet but... it's delicious. <laughs> it's it's still delicious. Yeah, I promise. Kidney beans add a certain sweetness to to all all, all the uh, savory characteristics. Uh, but I, I start with a mole base. Um, you know, I'm I'm a huge uh, pork shoulder uh, or pork butt fan, uh, as, as that's something that can you know you can smoke five or six of those. You can make uh, I, I make 
Mexican street tacos. I can make sliders. I can make, uh, you know, uh, medallions of, of the money muscle uh, that, that, that melt in your mouth and, and drive people crazy. Um, but, but I'll go with, with uh, my most recent, I, I'm actually preparing for a, a local competition. Like I said, I'm, I'm here in Santa Cruz, California, and there's a, an annual a clam chowder cook-off. And, uh, and so I, I cook clam chowder to uh, New England style, um, you, you know, the, the heavy cream uh, base, but you know, w- w- what's been really fun for me is not only the ingredients and playing with the levels of bacon and I've taken it all the way to the point where it's like really should just be called bacon chowder with some, with some clams in it. Um, and then I, I've, I've, I've dialed that back and, 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 you know, the way I saute my, my onions ahead of time to really get that caramel, uh, you know, sweetness out of the onions, but, um, Thank you for but that's, Caramel. that's it. Oh yeah, I'm a caramel fan, man. Uh, but 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 I'll tell you, you know that, that that's a fun dish just because um, there, there's a lot of different ways you can go with the ingredients. You know, I've I've messed with different white wines, I've messed with different clam bases, I've messed with you you know uh, fresh clams, you know day old uh, from uh, canned clams. And for me, like one of the biggest things for that is like technique has as much to do with that dish as the ingredients and like the way you prepare the bacon, the way you prepare the onions, the way you prepare each of the ingredients and how you bring them together. And when you bring them together uh, is, uh, you know, something that I really like to geek out on and, and you can make an eight gallon, uh, you know, pot of it at a time and, t- and take it to a, you know, you know, a picnic or, or whatever in, in, in the cooler months and, uh, and have everybody go crazy over it. So, uh, so yeah, cl- clam chowder is a big one for, for me right now, specifically. Wow, you know, Randy, I feel like I know you pretty well. I never would have guessed clam chowder, bro. You could have given yeah. me like a hundred guesses. I thought you would have gone beef jerky because your beef jerky is freaking legendary. Um, but uh, yeah, that's I, I need to try some of this clam chowder because I don't know if yeah. you know this about me. I'm a bit of a chowder connoisseur. Is that right? Yeah, I so did I'm, not I, know that about you. If you need, uh, you need a uh, an unbiased, and you know, I'll tell you how I really feel. Oh yeah, you need oh, an unbiased yeah. juror just to just yeah. let me know. I, I, I think I've got my recipe dialed. I'm ready for this competition. And it's it's one of those funny things that like, you know, my wife knows if we go on a trip, I'm looking up the local barbecue houses. I'm looking for, you, you know, the if I'm at a restaurant and there's chili on the on the menu, even if I'm going to order something else, I still at least order a cup of clam uh, of the chili because I always want to try everyone's chili. Um, and, and it was one of those things that like my wife realized anytime we're near the water, if I'm in San Francisco, Santa Cruz, Monterey, I'm always ordering the clam chowder, you know, you know, we're, we're right on the ocean where we live here on, on the Pacific. And so like, we, we have the opportunity to get fresh clams, uh, pre- pretty, uh, you know, uh, r- regularly. And so my wife had pointed out one, one night, like I'd ordered a clam chowder at a restaurant. She says, you know, there's no dish that you order more frequently that I've never seen you make before. And that's clam chowder. And I, I kind of took that as a personal challenge. And I kid you not, two weeks later, I found out about this annual uh, uh, clam chowder cook-off. And I was like, oh, it was meant to be. I, I need to become a master of clam chowder. So uh, yeah, you've got a mason jar of clam chowder come, coming at you here soon. Yeah, <laughs> that's, I, 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 that story is absolutely perfect. Uh, I, I, I know you, I know your wife and I can see that conversation and I can, I totally know what your reaction was. You absolutely yeah. know what your reaction was. That's, that's, that's awesome. Yeah. The next day yeah, I, I was, I was reading on what the best clams you could buy on the Pacific. Right. Were. Right. 
Yeah, all all uh, Randy's wife to get him to motivate him to do anything. It's just like challenge him a little bit. It's like, <laughs> mm-hmm. God, you know, it'd be really great to get some really, you know, nachos. Too bad you don't make good nachos, Randy. <laughs> yeah, exactly. See, exactly. It's, that's okay. This is so funny because I'm going to pull this back to Bo Jackson because I'm kind of obsessed with him right now. His baseball coach, his last year at uh, at Auburn, he said, you know, I, he was really hard to coach because Bo never, he didn't want to work out. He didn't really want to go to practice. Like he always just wanted to play the game and he was just so good at everything. Like he didn't really have to try. It just kind of happened. And so he said, if I ever wanted Bo to work on something, he said, what I would do is like, I'd sit him down. I'd say, you know, it's like, I don't know if you're going to be able to do this. And I probably shouldn't even say this, but you know, guys that, that like are at your level that are pros, they do x y and z and 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 i mean if you want to try it that's fine i doubt you're going to be able to do it but you know just letting you know this is this is kind of what they do and he's like that's how i coached him and that's i think that's exactly how huh. we should coach Randy. yeah 100 <laughs> do that just tell Randy you you'll be able to do it but you know most yeah. people like if they're professional they show up on time yeah so seriously. i mean i don't know guy you can with, give it a try <laughs> guy with your expertise surely surely could make x you know um but you know why not yeah um yeah i i that's i i god i would have been of love to be a fly on the wall for that exchange um that would have been fantastic but um good stuff man uh really excited to uh, maybe I can get a mason jar too because I I love I love me some clam chowder. I, oh, oh, I I was thinking in my mind I was going to surprise you with it, but absolutely I I'm I'm absolutely mailing you a mason jar. I mean, you know I'm going to send you some away. chili too, and I and and, and like I'm not going to ask you to like show preference and say oh this is the better version, but just just do what I do and concede. There's two different it's two different dishes. Two different they, dishes. They, yeah. They, they, yeah. They can live in parallel from each other. They don't have to be in competition. Mine doesn't have to be the wrong thing because it has beans. Just it's a different dish and, t- and take it with a, with an open mind. I'd, I'd love to hear your feedback. <laughs> Absolutely. I'm in it. I'm in it. Uh, so gentlemen, the last couple of segments that we have here tonight, I uh, wanted to talk a little, we can't, uh, we can't not talk about this because we're going to be heading out to Vegas later this week. Um, for the annual PCA trade show, uh, some big changes coming. Uh, so we, you know, we're going out in July. It is July already. We can't believe it's uh, 2023 yeah, and it's July already. It's crazy, but it is July. We're going to be heading out to Vegas for the annual PCA trade show, and uh, some things that are kind of exciting. Uh, but I wanted to kind of hit on a hot button. What I felt was a hot t- button topic that no one's been really talking about. Um, with the change to the PCA, with it now going to be moved to March. Okay. And I'm not going to ask the cliche question of like, what you know, if you're excited about it moving or not, you know, that's kind of been talked about on a bunch of a bunch of arenas and stuff. My question to you guys is, does that make this year's trade show with an upcoming trade show, you know, a little bit more than six months away after it, does that make this year's trade show in July a lame duck show? Hmm. Rob. Well, I, sorry, I had, this is your your eleven. I, I had I was I was muted because uh, my wife brought me out uh, another round of mojitos here, and um, what I like to do with my mojitos, Randy, I like to top it with topo. So I was cracking open a new uh, topo chico, and I didn't want to make too much noise, so that's why I was muted there. Um, that's a fantastic question, yeah. and I picked up what you were getting at about halfway through, and I thought, holy shit, I haven't thought about it in these terms. How would how would I approach this? And I've I've worked on the the 
the brand side of the industry uh, from marketing uh, with uh, uh, Mombacho. Mm-hmm. Um, may, may they rest, unfortunately. Um, but they're still alive. But the company's no longer with us. Um, God, how would I approach this? From wow, That's a really good question. And I wonder, I wonder if there was, so when was that announced? That was announced a couple months ago. Mm-hmm. Yeah, about six weeks ago or so. Yeah. They, okay. You know. That was announced to the public a couple months ago. And I wonder if this was something that's obviously this has been in the works for a while. And I wonder if, uh, you know, some of the, the industry folks and the manufacturers had, had more of a heads up on this. And I hope that they did. Um, because if I were doing that, I would want that. Um, man, that's a really good question. I, I, like, I feel like I'm building up to an answer, but I really just don't think I have one. Does it make it a lame duck show? I, you know, what I wonder is everybody's been preparing for this particular show. You build your year around July or August or whenever it's been. And now all of a sudden you have to build your year around March, which ultimately in the long term is fine. I wonder if it makes next year's show more of a lame duck as opposed okay. to this year's. Because, I mean, we've we've all, I'm speaking as the industry, like I'm doing that. We've all been planning for this, so we've been ready for that. It's because you build your new releases around this stuff. And this is when, you know, you, you're making your hay. You're selling a lot of cigars, especially for smaller companies. Have they, have they really prepared to have something turn around quick enough to have it in March of next year? I don't know, but they're definitely prepared to have something now. So I wonder if that makes, I don't know if I'm, I'm answering your question with a question, but to me, I would see it as more of next year's show being the lame duck. No, it's a fair point. I have a, I have a specific comment to that. So, but I, I wanted to give Randy the chance to answer. Sure. I, I think, I think that because of the world that we've been in for the last uh, three years, I think that they're in a really good place because I feel like, you know, 2019 was really the year that TPE made real Mm. dust and said, you know, we're going to go head to head. We're going to like provide a legitimate platform uh, for, for these cigar companies. And, and for a short time, we talked about, could this other show actually usurp uh, the the great and mighty annual uh you know ipcpr you know uh pca show and uh and, and to, to rob's point i think we've known for some time that they were gonna look uh to make a move um for those that don't know in in production when you book these venues years in advance so they had a contract through this year for this time period uh that there was yeah. no this is literally the first opportunity that the pc right. could have made a move you know they were they were they were contractually obliged to stay into this J- july uh standpoint um but but i think and they couldn't the talk about that, it too like this has been on yeah the that's moves. a good point they couldn't talk about it too because of contracts that's the thing but right, yeah, go ahead. Right. I'm sorry. But but one of the things that we talked about when PC when T I'm sorry, TPE, the Tobacco Plus Expo started kind of making a little bit of hay and, and trying to uh, engage uh the premium cigar industry at a higher level. Um, we talked about how the timing actually works better for the year. You know, when we go into PCA in July, most of these cigars that you're gonna be hearing about over the next few weeks um aren't gonna be on 
brick and mortar shelves until September, October. Um, and, and so you're, you're getting your actual releases in the, in the fourth quarter, because for those of you watching or listening, don't understand is this is the, this is a private show. The public is not invited. This is where um, retailers come and they, they make their, their annual orders. And so th this is like a pre-order um, kind of period in, in the industry where um after they get their initial orders, that informs how much of the tobacco they should actually buy, how many cigars they should roll, how many boxes they need to buy. And so it's a very important part of the industry's uh, kind of release schedule. And 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 tobacco, you know, premium cigar smoking actually like has a high point in the summer. And so you're kind of missing this year's highest volume uh, sales period by doing it in July. And so it, we, we've always known that it's made a lot more sense to move it a little bit earlier in the year to where these these cigars maybe are releasing by July rather than in September. Um, and so. All that being said, we've also had, because of COVID, there's been all these huge bottlenecks from production, from logistics, from getting the boxes. And mm -hmm. so as I'm looking at the releases coming out, the brands that are engaging, the brands that are making announcements that, that maybe haven't done uh, a, a shock and awe campaign in a couple of years because they they've had limitations due to supply restrictions. Um, I, I feel like this is this is a big list of exciting releases. You know, Rob and I, as as he said earlier, you know, we have an active thread with the Dojo team. We're we're already calling dibs on what we're going to review as they release and what who's going to review what as as we get our hands on these samples. So. I feel like this is a pretty robust release year, honestly, and and maybe more so than we've seen in the last three years. So, um, well, I totally understand the question and why that could be the like, well, this is you know the last show because they were contractually uh, obligated. Next year is going to be a better year. I feel like um, they've made the most of it and people have really leaned into the releases that they can finally come out with. I think some of these releases have probably been in the brain trust of some of these brands for the last two or three years and they just haven't been able to get them out. So I feel like we're getting a bit of a, a, a of a bolstering of new releases that is going to create a lot of excitement, create a lot of energy around the industry, not to mention the boom we've been on for the last couple of years. Um, so so I'm, I'm, I'm pretty animated about I, I think this is going to be a really good show um, and it, it will be interesting to Rob's point is did they save back enough that in nine months time they're going to be able to do another release cycle that is as impressive and you know awe-inspiring and, and attractive as the one that I believe we're about to go into next uh, next week there with PCA. It is next week. Isn't that scary? Yeah, uh, I, I was like, oh, no, it's not that. Yeah, no, no, it's yeah. next week. <laughs> here, here, Oh, Here's the thing. Sorry. I was go, oh, ahead, go ahead, go ahead, go ahead, Rob. Because I, I wanted to comment on your on your initial comment. Go I, for it. I was just going to say another thing that's interesting is you mentioned earlier in your read that the Jurassic is coming back to the PCA next year. Yeah. Mm -hmm. And so you got to figure that they have they have known that it was going to be in March uh, of next year. So they are going to hit the ground. You know, bullets flying, hit the ground running, whatever cliche you want. Oh, they're going to they're going to dominate the. They're going to dominate traffic. They're, yeah, they're going to crush it. I'm wondering if any of the other companies that have, you know, backed out, are is this going to now going to be that impetus to get them back in 
to to rejoin uh, to rejoin PCA and give them you know they have a bit of a leeway they almost have they have like a lead really uh, to know that hey it's going to be next year at this time um, we're not really preparing anything for this year's show so we can really double triple quadruple down on next year's I'd be curious to see if that's uh, something that is uh, is going to be in the works but uh, Randy very very well said um, you used a couple of good buzzwords in there I wanted to comment on them but I forgot what they were. Uh, I think you dropped. Did you drop synergy in there? Maybe spreadsheets. I think. <laughs> well, um, well if, if I can throw one more thing on what you just said, I, I'm sorry, Bear, but, but just what, what Rob said. I I also think the Drew Estate uh, return to the show is a is a big factor. I believe that what we've seen since Drew Estate left was some what we previously had seen as middle tier brands kind of rise to the top as they've backfilled some of that space that Drew Drew Estate oh down totally. off uh, you know had, had left over and so maybe maybe that's part of why we're seeing such an explosion of, of of all these new releases is maybe some of them feel like this is their last chance to really be a headliner before the the big dog comes back in and kind of maybe steals the show. If you guys remember 2019 and you walk in and the drew estate booth is a quarter of the goddamn floor. And I mean, it is the epicenter of the show. And so maybe this is also the, the, you know, a little bit of an effort of some of those brands saying, Hey, we want to stake our ground and make sure we don't lose any ground as that superstar character that drew, uh, drew estate is in our industry, you know, comes back and maybe takes a little bit of the wind out of their sails. Yeah, yeah well, it's, and it's a good a good point. Sorry, Bear, we keep cutting you off, but this is a great topic. Um, and to to Randy, to your point, you say it's their last chance to kind of be the big dogs, but it's maybe it's their it's a chance for them to really establish themselves moving exactly. forward. Yeah. Not really yeah. like their last their last hurrah, but really like, right. hey, I'm really I'm carving out my footprint, and this is you know I'm I'm digging my hole. This is my space. Right. And right. when you guys can come back, and that's great. It's good for the industry for you guys to be back. But this is my space, and you can't yeah, have. I'm not giving up any ground to you. Yeah, 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 yeah exactly. exactly. Yeah. So it's that's that's and that's great for this industry, man. It's exciting. Uh, God, I hadn't thought about this topic, Bear. Great question. Yeah, yeah. I I think to the uh, uh, for well, Altidus is back this year in full force, and General STG is back uh, under the Forge brand uh, for now. And I think they're. Uh, I'm, I'm pretty sure they're going to be back in full force in 2024 for both general and forged. So it'll be, uh, it'll be a different show than the last couple of years to, uh, to this most recent point about these emerging brands, like, like Tatuaje, Espinosa, um, crowned heads, they've kind of been fan favorites, you know, of the, you know, us, right. To put not too fine a point on it, um, over the years. And, but I've what I've seen over the last couple of shows is they've really emerged. Uh, you know, yeah. the even the even you guys can we can take Guy Fieri out of the conversation with Espinosa. And I would yeah. still say I would still throw them as these kind of emerging brands that kind of kind of kind of caught the fire and 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 were really kind of those linchpins that yeah. kind of held the show together. They were exciting. Um and they were really good boosts to go to and everything. Um, not to make light of anybody else, you know, uh, Steve uh, Sock has been incredibly active at each PCA trade show that he's been a part of uh, with releases. Mm -hmm. And this year is no different. Um, I did want to go back to Randy's point. Um, I don't want to be compatible here, Randy. I can't, uh, but I, 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 I'm going to disagree with you, man. I'm not excited about this year's list of releases at all. Oh, what really? Caught, what, caught <laughs> you, what caught your eye um, that was like, you know, just to, to just to name a couple, like what caught your eye that we were like, 
that you're so super excited and you think that it's you think it's great and i'm sitting over here i'm like man i feel I whole home about I, it really. i wish i was i wish i was I wish I was drinking what you were drinking now. So, uh, <laughs> well, well, before I start, let, let me, I, you're doing. I, I say, let, <laughs> well, let me give you credit because I'll tell you this ice, uh, mocha and the Bishop's blend. You <laughs> nailed it, man. Going Killer, man. rich and, and heavy with, with, with the, the light beverage. I, I'm, I'm digging this. Um, so, uh, okay. Yeah. Let's start at the top. You know, uh, Ferry Otego has come out, um, since, the, the departure of the big five if, or big four, uh, if you will. Um, and, and you, you know, th their new Suma I'm, I'm super excited about, obviously, you know, list, they yeah. took, yeah, they, they, they took, uh, uh, you know, top 10 honors on two releases for us last year. Um, yeah, super excited that, that he's got something out. I'll be honest, you know what, one, and I've got some in between these two. So I've kind of hitting both ends of the spectrum for you. Um, you know, Quesada is all of a sudden, back in the news back in the mix you know i feel like when i first came into the industry um everyone told me how they used to be a bigger brand and they were very quiet for a few years and we really didn't hear much about them and i feel like um they've they've stepped up uh you, you know uh, you obviously named crown heads that has that you know took this center stage you know obviously the the luciano partnership we we all lauded and 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 believe that was such a great thing for the industry and then they've split so i'm super interested to, to see what happens there um you know i i know you know not to speak too much or take anything from you here rob but you know cavalier is is a brand that was like pretty pretty tiny overall a couple of years ago and they they seem to like be coming up the ranks hvc you know was was a brand the first year that robbie and i went together in 2019 rainier was a, a no name that you know very very few people had ever heard of and now all of a sudden you know he's got his own factory he's doing things so uh i i think just in general just the shift of uh, again to your to your point uh, obviously you've got the espinosas the crown heads that like backfilled that like you know they've moved from that mid-tier to that larger tier at least in in perception and attention in general um but uh but but i feel like i like you said, you know, just these smaller brands that, that weren't coming out with anything that like was catching my interest now all of a sudden are, and they're, they're more, they're more in the know, I guess would be mostly what I'd say. And so that, that excites me that, that I feel like they're stepping their game up and they're trying to, you know, propel themselves into that, that like next tier of, uh, uh, you know, uh, uh, of attention and media, uh, in general. And so just the fact that, these brands that we weren't prioritizing covering at all uh, are now net, are now brands that we feel like we absolutely have to go by and touch base with them and make sure that that we're uh, you know catching up with what what they've got going on. Awesome. Yeah, I'd I'd even I'd throw Black Star Line uh, into sure. that uh, conversation as well. Uh, another kind of a, a younger brand, an exciting brand. Uh, I know they've done most of their stuff with Aganorsa, but I think they're branching out, working with some other factories and bringing out some new things. So, and, and like you said, stepping into that next tier. And I think mm -hmm. this is, if if I'm if I'm that level of of brand, like I'm that up and coming brand, and I see that you know next year the Drew Estates are coming back and the others these 
uh, I know it's Drew Estate, and I said Drew Estates, but I was referring to them as like the these bigger companies, and I, I just yeah. don't like them. People call the them the Drew Estates, the Drew Estates of the world, I, of the world. No, it's yeah, usually what I meant. it's usually a pet peeve of mine, Rob. But no, I the, in your that's, context, that's what, it didn't. I wasn't yeah. offended. I'm with you. But that's why I wanted to clarify <laughs> just to make sure. Uh, but to, to know that hey, things are changing next year, uh, and, and if if I'm ever gonna you know you know, shoot my shot. And this year right. is the year to do it. And right. I'm, I'm hopeful that, you know, to this point, and again, I hadn't really thought about this, but I'm hopeful that we're going to see five or six different brands do that this year that, you know, all of a sudden they become a brand that we have to cover. Absolutely. Yeah. I've, I've, I'm making a point to visit Eric, uh, this, this show I've, uh, I've missed him a couple of times. I had him slated, uh, on the last day and I, I missed him. So I'm not going to make that mistake two years in a row. Um, and cause his brand, something that I am excited to learn. I know you guys are huge fans of him over at Dojo. I know that you guys are big supporters of him. And, uh, um, and so I'm, I'm, I'm definitely wanting to, to scope him out. I think it, what the, um, I'm not sure, um, I need to check the big board to see if they're coming out with anything or if they're even going to be in attendance. But, uh, I remember, uh, being on uh, cigar Dojo, uh, for an episode and uh, all of us collectively making fun of uh, German engineered cigars. And then like, and then, uh, and then Eric kind of took the about face on it and smoked and really enjoyed it. So (laughs) I thought that was, that was kind of funny. So I'm not sure if they're doing anything this year different, uh, but I definitely want to step by Eric's booth um, and, and scope him out. Cause I think that that'll be, uh, that'll be one, uh, that'll be something that I really need to make amends with because uh, he, yeah, he seems like such a fascinating individual and, his cigars seem really good. Um, haven't had the opportunity to smoke any of them either. So that's, but I, I, uh, I, I trust in, uh, I trust in the dojo. Uh, um, and uh, so I think that, that that'll be something I'm, I'm worth checking out. So um, I, it's funny that one question kind of, uh, kind of ran me through the gamut of the other questions that I had for PCA. So we kind of had some really good discussion to it, but kind of to, to, to go back to the original point of next year, I think the, the point that I wanted to make on yours initial, your initial point, Rob, was the thing that I'm going to see, particularly with, let's, let's take Black Star Line as an example, you know, a smaller company, uh, you know, different, you know, in limited resources, Right. And uh, doesn't own his own factory. So he is at the beck and call of, of the factory that he uses, to, that he chooses to work with and stuff. And sometimes, I'm not saying with Eric, I'm just using him as an example because he doesn't have his factory. But sometimes that creates a problem in the pecking order and you're beholden to the factory, which means you don't get your cigars when you're expecting to perhaps or when your expectation is or you know whatever. And so by... A lot of companies don't even release their cigars until Q1 of the following year, and bam, we're in another trade zone. Mm-hmm. So um, my concern is retailers going and a lot of <clears throat> a lot of the shaking hands and kissing babies at booths uh, is going to be a lot more apologizing and begging for forgiveness because you want me to place another order with you, so and so. But I haven't gotten cigars that I ordered back in July. What the heck is that all about? So, um, you know, I'm worried about that. I'm also, you know, the, the the cliched discussion of every year. I'm worried about attendance for that show in particular. Um, or it, uh, I don't know what it's going to happen, but I think it's going to be reflected in this. Uh, I haven't seen the final badge numbers for this year, um, but it's either going to be reflected in this year 
we're going to see it in the aisles. It's going to be a little, you know, whether it's buzzing like it has been the last two years, or if it's been, a, if it's a little bit uh, of a dip, if we see that crank back up in there or vice versa, I think it's one or the other. We're going to see, it's mm-hmm. going to feel less like the last two years, which I think I, I don't want to speak for everybody, but I've felt certainly a huge positive, like, jet setting vibe the last two years a lot of people it seems like a lot of great activity and stuff like that and then um or it's gonna or, or it's gonna take a dip and then next year we'll you know the one in the spring will be big or vice versa that's that's my personal take on it yeah it, it's interesting and i mean it's obviously we can't see the future so we don't really know but um yeah i'd be curious to see uh to see how that's going to be um and to your point of uh of you know i i ordered my cigars from you and in july and it's it's january and i just got them and you and i you want me to buy some more stuff i i hear that i i think a lot of that um i mean randy touched a little bit on supply chain and things of that nature would have been you know loosening up and we've been kind of catching up in you know, the post-covid world um i don't know i'm curious to see uh but i i again i hadn't thought about it in those terms i think it's a great question um and now i'm i was excited to go uh, cause I get to hang out with my buddies and see a bunch of people in the industry that I don't get to see very often and, and talk with folks and, you know, check out new cigars and all that stuff. And I always look forward to the show, but now I'm even more excited about it because I really want to see what's going to happen. Yeah. Like that's, yeah. that's just, it's, it's a, that's a phenomenal question. I hadn't thought about it in those terms. And, um, I'm, I'm hopeful that we're all wrong, that this show is going to be awesome. And then the one in, in March is going to be even better. Uh, I don't know. We'll see. Yeah. Well, can, I, can I ask you, can I ask you, um, Barry, because, you know, again, you know, you both have a lot more experience attending these shows than I do. And so I've kind of bought into a lot of the rhetoric and the and the, uh, you know, reasons that are that are used when we're there. And and obviously 2019 was was the um, the, the 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 you know, we had hit the, the bottom, uh, really, where that's when the articles were coming out of just like, man, these these aisles are empty you know, on days, you know, four and five and everything else. Um, you know, what I've bought into and I'm and I'm hoping they were true. Um, and why, you know, I think most of us have been an advocate for it to move to an earlier posi- uh, period of the year is that brick and mortars are so often, you know, thinly um manned. You know, you you've got a lot of experience in, in that yourself working in brick and mortar for a lot of years, Bear. Um yeah. that that because the summer months are so busy, these shops just can't afford to send the whole team out. They can't afford to close for a weekend to be able to attend. And, and then not to mention, you know, uh, you know, and, and most trade shows in most industries are this way is like you have them in these exotic and fun cities because it's a little bit of a vacation as well. And so you want to like, you want to go to Vegas and you want to like catch a show and, and do some other stuff there. And in the dead heat of July, um, you know, that there's some, you know, oppressive heat that keeps people from enjoying that, it that fun. trip. Yeah, sure. it, it does. So, so I, I, I guess for me, I'm, I, again, I, I kind of position this back to you, uh, Bear, as you do have a lot more retail experience than either Robbie or I is like, do you not see that that was one of the key reasons why 
we should see a higher brick and mortar attendance in an earlier period of the year where, where the, the sales volume isn't so critical that maybe they can close the shop or maybe they just leave one person at home to man the shop uh, where they might not be able to have that luxury in, in, in the, in the summer. And quite honestly, you know, from, from experience of going to TPE uh, it, it is a much better uh, experience being in Vegas in March than in, in the middle of July. So uh, what, what do you think of that? I think, well, no, to your point about the retailer, I think absolutely it's a better time of year because you can operate uh, at a retail level a lot thinner in February and March than you can uh, in the summer. So um, I think that's a, I think that's a great point. The, uh, I think uh, not this first time, not this upcoming in March, um, but watch out for this. I'm telling you, this is going to happen because it seems to be the direction that they're going for long term which is moving the trade show to February, March, April timeframe. What you're going to see is a much, much larger gap. I call it the, the siesta of cigar retail, which is uh, there's two times that this happens during the year. Uh, This is one of them. You go into any, you go into most shops, especially ones that are, you know, huge PCA supporters and the inventory uh, is, uh, is light, lighter, uh, because they're going to go order, they're going to go order heavy. Um, so they don't want to spend money leading up to the show. They want to spend it at the show. Mm. And mm. Um, that's where logistics have been a real huge problem. Cause even afterwards you're, you're, you're waiting for some of the stuff to come in. So the good retailers will bring in core stuff that has been, they'll go light on that. So you won't find your Perdomos, your Padrones, your Ashtons, your, you know, uh, et cetera you know, leading up to the show, but you'll get it right after because they have those in stock and you order the deal, whatever it comes in. Um, the other one, and this is going to be where it's going to be a drastic change, is most uh, cigar manufacturers shut down uh, for Christmas oh. and December and they shut down for, it's not like they don't, they don't do the American thing. They don't shut down work for a day or two. Uh, it's, it's a month. Like, right. Like uh, Skip's really famous for showing his pictures of the Nika Suenia factory where like everything's put up. It looks like the, the, you know, everything's cleaned and, and put up and it looks like it's a, it's a brand new factory, like, so to speak. So, um, and he, they do that. Uh, and that's not any different than anybody else. It's a very, very common practice. Almost everybody does it. Uh, if not everybody, uh, I don't want to loop everybody in, but that's, that's a pretty common thing across the Dominican, Nicaragua, Honduras, et cetera. Um, and so what you see in retail shelves is that post Christmas, because a lot of people will blow out the end of the year, plus retailers don't want to have a lot of inventory on their shelves because they don't want to pay inventory tax on stuff. Um, so they'll, they, they have a, the, their inventory stock really drops. And so in January, uh, there's nobody to order from because the companies are still closed. Mm-hmm. So that, that, that sparseness continues. And now what you're going to see is, well, hell, if I'm going to PCA in a couple of months here, I'll just operate at as thin as I can these first couple of months so that I can spend big, you know, at the show. And so what you're going to see from a cigar purchasing perspective and a consumer perspective is that that siesta that I called it uh, in that stretches from the new year into February sometimes is going to ultimately probably stretch to the entire first quarter and well into the second quarter. And so you're going to see that Mm. again, down the road, it's not going to happen next year, maybe not even the year after that, but this is, this is the, this is the direction that the PCA is going uh, for, 
for all intents and purposes that we see for the for the you know for the foreseeable future it looks like uh or at least it feels like um so that's going to be i think that's going to be the biggest watch out is how the retailers navigate that and i think some of them are going to operate exactly the way i said just you know economics yeah that's that's super interesting yeah yeah again we focus you know we're you know more on the media side again you play both uh, sides of the coin as being a, a longtime retailer as well as a media member uh you know we we focus so much on that attendance you know just you know like you said is is there buzz are people excited to physically be here but how that how that then translates to their buying habits their stocking habits re- really interesting point I, I appreciate you sharing that insight yeah i think orders in year two will be much bigger in 2025 i think orders will be much bigger than they ever were in July. So I think that attendance, take attendance out of it, the conversation for two seconds, the people right. that are there in 2025 will order bigger than they have at any other summer show. I will say hmm. that. I absolutely think that's going to happen. So, well, awesome. Well, last two questions, gentlemen, we'll close out the night. Thank you so much for being a part of this show and this conversation. Uh, really enjoyed our pairings tonight. Really enjoyed our cigars. Enjoyed the conversation as always. Um, and this brings us to our asylum segment, which is uh, always brought to you by Asylum Cigars. Refuge is more than just a physical place. It can be a state of mind. Some of life's greatest reflections can be found in our own personal asylum. Moments like these were made for asylum cigars. Light up an asylum and choose your refuge. Now, um, this, 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 this square, the way I'm going to frame this one, I'm, and, and I, because you, I, you guys, I had you guys on last year where we actually had this segment too. And so I wanted to tweak it a little bit. Um, and, um, and I, and I want to apologize and preface that the way I'm going to ask this question is going to seem like I'm insulting Randy and I'm not, I pro I promise I'm not. Um, but Rob already uh, loves this segment more than any so, other. Man. So, but, um, I sponsored this segment actually. I, I don't know if <laughs> you, you, you got the read wrong. Sorry, go ahead. So, uh, but Randy, you're, you're a very boisterous individual, um, very passionate. Uh, and so is Rob to a certain extent. You're just, you're just more vocal about it to a point, but I think, um, and, and, and I'm, and I'm in a similar vein, so I'm, I'm going to throw myself in there too, but like every so often we smoke a cigar and in this case, the segment is typically talking about smoking a cigar alone, but I'm going to open it up to all, all experiences. And you guys talked earlier about your experience with Casa Fuente, where you don't really remember anything else. You remember the pairing, but I'm talking about the cigar specifically. What's the last time that you remember where you smoked a cigar and it just shut you the hell up? Well, now, now I get why this is an insult on Randy because Randy never shuts the hell up. I get <laughs> yeah, it. I get it's it. Fair, yeah. It's fair. You're very All excited. Right, I, you're very excited I, about stuff. So right, I man. just, yeah. I'm an so. excitable guy. <laughs> yeah. That's why I wanted Rob, to preface want, it. I wanted to preface it. Randy, this was directed at you. You go for Oh, oh, if you, yeah. If you, um, I, I mean, honestly, um, you know, it's been a, a great joy of mine to be able to be a voter on the uh, Cigar of the Year um, uh, situation with uh, Cigar Dojo. And honestly, um, that those are the cigars that I vote as my number one, um, you know, the H99. 
man, I have a hard time not saying it's the best tasting cigar I've ever had in my life. Uh, the year before, oh, yes. you know, yeah, uh, I, I, you know, the, the elegancia um, showed me how it, uh, uh, you know, a, a lighter wrapped cigar could be so flavorful and so um, uh, yeah, complex. In, in, in its overall flavor and so i i yeah, i'm i'm simple i'm I, i'm it's probably a boring answer but you could pretty much look back at the the cigar of the year lists from cigar dojo since i've been part of the team and you know whatever took number one either the number one on the regular list or the number one on the limited release list are are usually the cigars that just blow me away that like have me look back at it and think what did they do differently with this tobacco? What did they do differently that like it tastes so extraordinarily like uh, impressive over all the other dozens and dozens and dozens of cigars that, that I smoke on, on, on a regular basis. Um, so, so I, I, I'm, I'm almost going to cop out and say the H99 this year was, was the most uh, recent one that, that I had that, that I was just, absolutely floored on i'm looking to my humidor to see if something else stands out uh in, in that vein you know i'm like you said i'm i'm a boisterous passionate and and uh and uh easily excitable individual i i have a lot of cigars you, you know thankfully yeah. that that like like that really like floor me that make me go wow you know this this does warrant a few moments of silence of just like <laughs> uh of really thinking through what i'm experiencing and trying to uh, you know uh connect as many adjectives as i possibly can to it um and so uh so yeah that's well let's talk about the h99 for two seconds randy so like i remember uh, so we had i had the i had the privilege of having a great conversation and shared a cigar with you at the great smoke two years ago and uh, mm -hmm. uh afterwards where we we smoked the supreme leaf with terrence and a couple of the other you know dojo coop clan clan and uh we're all having a great afternoon and everything and uh, you and i had a great conversation i remember we, we talked about a lot of things that day but we talked about like both of us were really excited about how this particular one smoked and how we were really enjoying it and everything. What was it about the H99 that you smoked the first time where you just were like, what, I guess now that you've had some time to reflect on it, that just like really, really kind of like put you into perspective of like, wow, this is, I'm getting this note or mm -hmm. the way it smokes or the, 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 the draw or like, what was it's like that, that really just captivated you? Like you were talking about uh, the the complexity and the intensity of the unique flavors, like like you know, so often a uh, cigar, even a great cigar, can be. Um, I don't want to say one note. I'm really into complexity. I'm really into transition. So, uh, but but that being said, like so many cigars, is like I focus on this one flavor, and that's what captivated me. You know, whether we're talking about the H Upman 175th, which was one of my all-time favorite cigars for a couple of years and uh still amazing cigar uh um, smoke yeah uh you know that one impressed uh, you know the the hot 10 is is such you know i go back to that one with such frequency and regularity that i love it the the desert rose uh from from southern draw like yeah on all those cigars there's this one character that i absolutely lock in on and that becomes the resounding like number one flavor adjective that i think of when i think of that cigar for me the age 99 it 
and, and it's not that they don't those all those other cigars i mentioned don't have complexity because they do and there's these secondary and tertiary flavors that like i'm so impressed with and keep me my interest uh engaged but but there's clearly one standout flavor. I feel like for me, the reason that I, I, I have to bite my tongue from calling H99 the best cigar I've ever smoked is that like it delivers on this sweetness, on this spiciness, on this baking spice separately, on on, on texture, on 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 the draw, the the you know the 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 signature uh, Drew Drew Estate you know vol, voluminous smoke output. Uh, there's so many different things things going on that any one of them you could hang your hat on and say this is the prim- primary characteristic of the cigar and then maybe the next time you smoke it, you say no 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 it's this one that's the primary and th- that like each one of them are are working in parallel and, and in 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 a harmonious synergy with each other and 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 staying uh you know at the forefront of the flavor that's what impresses me about it the most is it, it, just like, there's just so much going on that like, you know, like, like I said, you know, my ADHD mind can, you know, just kind of pivot from one to the other and be like, is that my favorite characteristic or is that one my favorite? And that, that they're all, uh, you know, like I said, it engages me. It makes me think about it. It, it, it forces me to shut up a little bit and, and, and put a little th- more thought into it than, uh, and some of the other cigars that that I also enjoy at such a high level. Nice, Rob. What about you? Uh, I've got two. Uh, Randy, you touched on one of them. Um, you know me well enough to know that uh, the Hot Hot Ten, not Hot Ten, Hot Ten, like Hot Couture uh, from Illusione. That's um, one of my absolute favorites. Uh, in particular, in the uh, the Gordo size, which is the six by fifty six, which is one of the bigger uh, ring gauges that I that I do uh, tend to gravitate towards. I'm not really like this is really the only cigar that I gravitate towards in that ring gauge. So I guess I really shouldn't say that, but um, you know, I think for all the reasons that Randy said, every time I smoke that cigar, um, I find something new that I love about it. Um, mm-hmm. It's an expensive cigar, yet I. I find myself always having uh, at least five of those on hand. Um, it's one of the the few cigars that I uh, always, always, always go back to. Um, when Randy says that, you know, I, I pull up short of calling that the best cigar that I've ever smoked. And I, I, I kind of, I feel the same way about the Hot 10. Um, there's, and to me, there's that just a little bit of, it's that earthy sweet. I always come back to that earthy sweet. Um, with, uh, with whenever you get into any of uh, Dion's stuff, you're always going to get some more of that cabinet spice. You're going to get some of that elegant nuance, what I like to call it, of those cigars. And that's when I say that like every time I smoke it, it's something different that I love about it. Uh, but another one, and this cigar just totally caught me off guard. Uh, I think the, 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 the boys at, uh, the dojo had smoked this before me, Randy, I think you even smoked it before I did. And you guys were talking it up and how great it was. And I was just like, Dude, come on, that brand really? Like, why is everybody excited about the cigar? But the H. Upman 175th anniversary Churchill, uh, that cigar for me is it's I, I don't go back to it quite as often as the Hot 10, uh, just because I don't have that much stock of it. I have I think I have a couple in my humidor and I thought about smoking one tonight. Um, that cigar just blew me away, man. It's yeah. so it's so good. It's a big cigar, seven by fifty. Like to me, that's that's damn near a three hour smoke. I, I could have lit this up right when we started the show, and I'd still be I'd be finishing it right about now. Um, 
and uh, the the nuance of flavor there. I mean, it it tends towards a little bit uh, more on the leathery side than I usually kind of uh, tend to on, on on my palate, but. I don't know. There's just something about it. There's some secret sauce in there that it's something really cool that I don't even know about. And uh, I just, every time I smoke that cigar, it's one of those where like Randy, we talk about this in the show sometimes where you're, you're taking a couple puffs of the cigar, you're talking with your buddies, you take another puff and it, you stop and yeah. look like it's one yeah. of those. I stop and look at the cigar. Um, so for me, those were the two, as soon as you ask that question, and they're not really new cigars, but um, I mean, the, the, I think the H Upman came out in 2019 um, no, 10's been around longer than that. Maybe, maybe not. I don't really know the release dates I'm not good with, but, uh, I know they're not super, super new. Uh, but those, uh, when it comes to like, if I, if I had to tell somebody what, what my palate looks for, I give them those two cigars. Hmm. Nice. Nice. Yeah. Uh, Robbie, I must confess you through, you caught me off guard a little bit more than, than Randy's picks, but cause I know, I know Randy, I know Randy's loves the H99. So I, I, I will say that I was surprised to see you to say that it's the, you know, you, you, you try to try not to say it's the greatest cigar that you ever smoked, but that you have such high affinity for it. Not that, not that it's a bad pick or anything like that. I just, I, I didn't know that it was in, it impressed you that much. So that's, that's the, cool. which, which one are you talking about? The hotel? No, him yeah. with the H99. Oh, I see. With him. Yeah. So with oh. your, no, you're, you're, you caught me off guard more with the, with your, with your picks. So, um, but just cause uh, I, I feel like I know your palate pretty well. And I know some of the brands that you kind of gravitate towards and uh, neither one of those were the ones that I've typically hear from you. So that's, so you, that, thought that's I, you thought I was going Tatuaje for sure. Yeah. I thought you were. Yeah. So yeah, yeah. Be honest. The yeah. Michael, call, right. Call the, <laughs> yeah. call, the, call the elephant out in the room. Yeah. There you go. I, if, uh, if I had to, if I had to go Tatuaje, it'd probably be the, either the JV 13 Mm. Uh, oh yeah god that the, was... uh uh the the cq cq1 is that the one that cq1 mm-hmm. then they did cq2 yep, yep. um those the cq1 because i was lucky enough that that uh they did that for god i can't remember the name of the of the bnm mission they did that for mission yeah, mission pipe yeah mission pipe there used mission to be pipe. one in um in pleasanton which is right down the way so i was able to score a couple boxes of those um that's a damn good cigar the uh 10th anniversary uh 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 Bella Ancre Reserva. That's mm. a that's a I mean that's I can't I don't that's a that's one of those unicorn cigars. I can't really get my hands on it anymore. But uh those would be up there for tattoo. But yeah, those two cigars for me, the H Jumpman, which again, total surprise because it's not really a brand that I gravitate right. towards, but uh right. I, I probably would never have even smoked it to be honest. Um, but everybody, I think Eric may have even handed me one. It's like, dude, you have to smoke this and and I was like, yeah, whatever. And I lit it up. I was like, God damn, you're right. I did have to smoke this because it's delicious. Uh, but the Hot 10, I think if I had to pick one, that would be it. And that's, yeah. I, I I just can't quit that cigar. The Desert Island cigar. <laughs> yeah, yeah, for sure. All right. Well, gentlemen, the time has come. It is the last question of the night. So here we go. It is our Dunbarton Tobacco and Trust segment. It is our curveball segment. Fastballs or curveballs? Doesn't matter since the company's inception. Steve Sox has been knocking them out of the park. Eight consecutive years in the consensus top three. Congratulations to our good friend, Mr. Steve Saka. So, gentlemen, I want you fast forward with all these changes that are coming, uh, you know, with changes to the PCA, for example. Um, the fact that none of us on this panel rely on the cigar industry for our primary income. I wanted you guys to look forward to 10 years from now. And is your involvement in the cigar industry the same? Larger or smaller? Hmm. 
Randy just took a drink, so I guess I'll go. Um, I, I would say, I'd say for me, it's probably going to be about the same. If if it's going to trend in either direction, it would probably be smaller. Um, and I think a lot of that just has to do that I'm I'm really satisfied in my professional life. Uh, I don't know that um, I've done I've I've worked in the cigar industry full time. That was my livelihood. I did it for a few years. I loved it. Um, if that opportunity came up again, I don't know if I would get back into it. It would, I guess it would depend. Um, but, uh, I, I do, I do enjoy the industry, but I, I think I like where I've, where I've settled, where Randy and I get to do our show every week. We get to go to the trade shows and still, you know, be a part of everything and, and get to do shows like yours bear and, 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 you know, share our opinions and write a review every, you know, three or four years. Um, but, uh, I, yeah, I, I can imagine like, for me, probably, hopefully it's about the same i i i like where we're at um you know maybe maybe some amazing opportunity comes up and 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 makes me think about uh getting back into it but uh i can't see myself quitting it because i just enjoy it too much so i think it's i don't know if that's a cop-out answer but probably about the same all right well um i mean for me it's it's uh 10 years from now i'd like to think it's going to be um more um, you know, I, I did have a, a job change uh, a year and a half ago, and when I went to go announce my new position and where I was going, most people that know me well, I'm talking family, friends, people that had known me forever, everyone assumed that uh, I was going to transition to the cigar industry full time. Um, I'm not closed minded to that I, I would say you know it, it's something i'm passionate about i i see myself as as uh as a person that could bring more attention um but from flavor passionate people to premium cigars i think we, we still have so many people that don't even know this side of tobacco exists uh i would love to uh see myself in my life and my career and my efforts um be, be a catalyst for more education more people understanding uh the the flavors that they enjoy and whether it be chocolate or coffee or beer um can translate for wine can translate uh to premium tobacco um you know i'd love to write more articles i you know i wrote an article that was you know uh, something i'm wildly proud of considering what i've like been able to do in my career uh one of the things i'm very proud of is writing a, a just just a simple like recap uh article on on the 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 great smoke uh you know event and so uh you know I'd, I'd like to to try and find a way to carve more and more of my my own time into uh bringing attention to this industry and uh and and i'd love to you know continue to show up at these events and have you know, one of these days, George Padron's gonna see me and smile and be like, "Randy, how you doing?" You know, I'm not there yet, but uh, <laughs> but, but, <laughs> but 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 yeah, I think optimistically, I I, I like to think it'd be more. Fantastic. Randy, you know that neither of us are in a position to hire you, right? <laughs> you that, never know who's watching man. you never know who's yeah, because that, that felt like an interview I, I feel like we were just i mean i i, I am hiring an intern if you're interested uh, yeah, but, but to, to all the vps of sales and marketing out there in the cigar industry you know i'm, I'm I, I could be a a high level contributor on your team uh you, you know you can find me on uh on on facebook uh instagram uh mr craft linkedin well obviously just <laughs> holla at me on LinkedIn, slide into my DMs. We'll, we'll make yeah, yeah, something. Exactly. Exactly. That's good. 
<laughs> always look forward to the fact that I can bolster someone's career on this show. So but, uh, that's great, Randy. I, I, I mean, if that, if that, if that's your desire and that's your wish and everything, I, I, uh, I wish you nothing but luck, man. And that's, uh, I think, um, I think the, uh, the industry would be, uh, would be better with more of Randy Griggs than, than less. So <laughs> excited about the prospect like of it. So, yeah, I like that. um, well, gentlemen, again, my, my humblest thanks to you guys for hanging out with me for so long, uh, late on a Sunday, not as late for you guys as it is for me. It's uh, past midnight here, uh, but still late enough. You guys do have uh, families and, uh, for you guys to take some time, especially this close to the PCA where you guys are going to be away from your families, uh, it means a whole great deal to me. So thank you so much for your time. Uh, Great conversation as always. I love having you guys. Uh, definitely, we'll do it again um, if you'll if you'll uh, if you'll honor me. But uh, thank you guys for for joining me tonight. So always, yeah, thanks. Absolute pleasure. Thanks for having us. Yeah, Bear. This was a lot of fun. Uh, always, uh, always look forward to chatting. Um, and it's uh, and I'm glad that we got to be part of Randy Stumpin to get a job in the in the industry. I'm like, <laughs> I, I hope with I hope that it's someday we can point back to this moment and be like, yeah, that's how you got this. That's job. that's right. That's and, right. And You're welcome. You need to buy us. You need to buy us dinner, or yeah, you buy yeah. Bear dinner. You at least buy me a drink when I was there. You know. <laughs> I love it. Yeah, appreciate it, Bear. This is a lot of fun. All right, so check out the Cigar Dojo Flavor Odyssey hosted by Rob Rasmussen and Randy Griggs every Wednesday. Uh, lively conversation, great pairings of all sorts, all kinds. Uh, every Wednesday at uh, 6 p.m., uh, live 6 p.m. Pacific uh, and uh, 9 p.m. Uh, on Eastern time. So you get to enjoy it at a great time uh, on a great day of the week. Wednesday, it's the middle of the week, and you get to get uh, to pair a lively libation with some uh with some great cigars and enjoy the great conversation between uh these gentlemen and uh uh common contributors uh eric and, and jordan as well and as well as other guests too so uh great show go back through the archives guys they've got some great stuff especially the the most recent stuff that we were talking about tonight with uh, um just kind of exploring different cigars and trends and everything like that was just some really some again i think it's some of your finest work uh so go ahead and check that out guys it's it's fantastic and the unicorn slayer episode which is really good i was going to talk about it but we ran out of time um anyway really appreciate all those likes shares and comments keep them coming you are watching the cigar uh uh this cigar if you are watching the show on facebook you can also check us out on our youtube channel ls for more don't forget to hit the subscribe button if you are listening to us later whether that be on apple podcast spotify google play podbean iHeartRadio, or wherever you listen to podcasts be sure you download subscribe and review hit the re- hit the unsubscribe button if you already are a subscriber but don't forget to hit subscribe again resubscribe because that helps my numbers makes me look a lot better so that guys like these uh, will come agree to come back on my show whenever i ask them to so uh for everyone out there We really do appreciate it. Thank you so much. We will be uh, not having a show next week. We'll be at PCA in Las Vegas. So good times. These guys will have a show on Wednesday, though. So definitely want to check it out. Like I said, 6 p.m. Pacific, 9 p.m. Eastern. Uh, For everyone out there, this was our 255th tag. Live from the Alec Bradley Lone Star Studio of Azel, Texas. I'm your host, Barry Duplissi, as always. He's Rob Rasmussen. He's Randy Griggs. Guess what, everybody? We'll see you next time.